and, and it'll be a 30 minute show, one-on-one -on -one conversation, hopefully just a really relaxed, uh, open conversation with uh, interesting people. Love it. Texas Talk, KLRN. Lots to talk about here in Texas. Yeah, hopefully you still make time for us though too, Gilbert. So. Absolutely. All right, good luck tonight. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you, take care. And we'll be right back. I'm Jeff Davis. If you've been in a car or truck wreck, call me at 444-4444. There's only one number to remember, four. The whistle from the kettle. My husband's snoring. The <laughs> toilet flushing. Garbage truck backing up. First sound I heard. The first sound I heard with my hearing aids. It's what I heard the day I got my hearing aids. Find your beautiful sounds at hearinglife.com. Finding a mechanic you can trust is easy at O'Brien's Automotive. From simple oil changes to complex repairs, foreign or domestic, O'Brien's is a locally and family-owned independent shop. We back our work with a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. We're a AAA-approved facility and a certified auto care center. Call us at 210-699-8190 or stop in for a free diagnostic with repairs. Since 1992, the honest experts that treat you like family. O'Brien's Automotive. Join me Saturdays on KSAT for Texas Eats, powered by our official dealer, Big Bond Toyota Burning. Company vehicles cause serious and deadly accidents on our roadways every year. An accident with a company car, truck, SUV, van, or fleet vehicle is not just another car accident. If you were injured in a company vehicle accident, call Thomas J. Henry. Thomas J. Henry handles serious company vehicle accident cases and gets serious results for injured clients. Call today. Thomas J. Henry is available 24-7, nights and weekends. Get hot water today or you don't pay. Call John Wayne by free. We'll install your water heater same day or it's free. John Wayne Service Company. Our reputation is in every truck. Ukrainian President Zelensky speaking with President Biden by phone earlier today as he pleads with the West to do more to step in and help his country. Ukrainian officials say Russia is escalating attacks, changing their tactics by attacking from the air. ABC's Rena Roy with the latest. Russia escalating its attacks on Ukraine, hitting the main broadcast tower in Kyiv with a missile Tuesday. Ukrainian President Zelensky saying at least five were killed as the tower burst into flames. The tower is located near one of the most prominent Holocaust memorial sites in Europe. The memorial's board says it was also damaged in a strike. The Kremlin striking Ukraine's second largest city of Kharkiv, targeting its central square and an administration building. According to Ukrainian officials, killing several and injuring dozens more. Russian strikes are hitting schools, hospitals, residential buildings. They're destroying critical infrastructure. Just outside of Kyiv, a crater now right in the middle of what appears to be a neighborhood. A 40-mile Russian convoy still advancing on the capital city. Though a senior U.S. defense official says they appear bogged down, essentially in the same place for a day now. The Russians believed to be running out of food and fuel for their troops as they meet more resistance than expected. The official adds they could just be regrouping. They continue to, to want to move on Kyiv to capture Kyiv, to take Kyiv. Ukrainian President Zelensky says his country desperately needs help from the European Union, with Russian troops now increasing their airstrikes. 
Zelensky met with a standing ovation from the EU's parliament, but says he needs to see that support put into action. Adding Ukraine will fight more than anyone else, but left alone against Russia, they cannot manage. Meanwhile, Western diplomats walking out on Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's speech at the top UN Human Rights Forum. As sanctions continue to cripple Russia's economy, the U.S. and its allies are working together to release 60 million barrels of oil to help with the cost of fuel and to send a unified message to global oil markets that there will be no shortage of supplies as a result of this war. Rena Roy, ABC News, New York. You've been in an accident. You probably have a lot of questions. Well, after more than 25 years in the business, Thomas J. Henry has the answers. Here to answer your questions 24-7, nights and weekends. And Sierra's got it. Your one-stop commercial truck and fleet dealer. Whether you're looking for just a few trucks or a whole fleet, you'll find exactly what you want and a price that's hard to beat. Chevy, Ford, Nissan, Ram, hundreds of trucks in stock and ready to go. Box trucks, flatbeds, work trucks, and a full line of heavy-duty trucks. And Sierra has it. So for all your commercial truck needs, check us out online at Ansira.com. From minor accidents to extensive damage, when it comes to fixing your vehicle, Blue Ribbon Auto Collision Center is dedicated to quality and service. Our expert technicians will get your vehicle back on the road in pre-accident condition or better, guaranteed. And our service specialists will keep you updated every step of the way. At Blue Ribbon, we repair your car for you, not your insurance. Blue Ribbon Auto Collision Center. Quality and service made us number one. Quality and service will keep us number one. The aquifer is down a little bit today, three-tenths of a foot. We're seven feet below the February average. Mold low, oak making an appearance for the first time this season, but low. Change is uncomfortable, scary, hard. But sometimes change can be good. Like when we exercise, eat better, sleep more. Good changes can affect our longevity or how far we can walk. At University Health, we believe in the power of change because that's where healthier begins. So what will you change today? Spider-Man may snag an Oscar. Spider-Man No Way Home is one of 10 movies up for the fan favorite Oscar this year. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences revealed the front runners for the award on social media. They say fans of these films have until Thursday to vote. They can either vote on the website OscarsFanFavorite.com or just tweet the Academy their pick using the hashtag OscarsFanFavorite. The 94th annual Oscar ceremony on March 27th, right here on KSAT 12. All right, today is National Peanut Butter Lovers Day. This is different than National Peanut Butter Day. That's January 24th. <laughs> today is for the fans of the creamier, crunchy spread, your choice. It's for those who enjoy it as a snack or need it in their desserts or like to experiment on new combinations with it. The National Day calendar says that Peanut Butter Lovers Day was started back in 1990 to commemorate the anniversary of Peanut Butter's commercial debut in the U.S. So this is a day to celebrate the people who like it. Is that what I'm getting? Not the food itself? What's the point? One and the same. I think it's just all, it's all the same spread. 
I was, I mean, I let you Waiting think there for, for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was going to be something good. Did that pause. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whatever. However you spread it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk weather. All right, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I was waiting for you to like, are you going to weigh in on this He's peanut done. butter lover's He's day? Done. We're cutting them off right now. Are okay. you going to weigh in on this? Nope, not going okay. to. Okay. Right. We don't even do these national we... days that much anymore. Well, it is March 1st now. That's important meteorologically because that is the beginning to meteorological spring. Oh. Now, astronomical spring doesn't come till later on in the month, but meteorological spring for record keeping meteorologically, March, April. In May. Let's take a look at our February temperature wise. And it was 6.2 degrees below average. It was a overall a fairly cool February. Of course, we did have some warm days mixed in. 85 degrees on the 21st and the 22nd, but the coldest was 21, and that was on February 4th. Here's a look at March, though, and what you can expect in terms of averages. The average low today, 48, the average high 70. By the end of the month, the average low goes up to 55 and the average high is 77. Of course, we're on the upswing this time of year and we're also gaining more daylight as that sun is setting out there. Take a look at the, the almanac data today. 33 this morning, then a high temperature of 72 earlier today. The record high, 89, set back in 1899. And you look at the readings right now, still comfortable and pleasant outside, but keep in mind these temperatures will be dropping off pretty quickly and efficiently come nighttime and really just in the next couple of hours because of the dry air, clear sky, and calm wind, good radiational cooling. So Divine now is 67, Canyon Lake at 63 degrees, Kerrville 62, and Bandera at 67. Del Rio still hanging on to 73. By early tomorrow morning, most of us, I think, will be right near 40 degrees to start the day. Dew points are down, and that's one reason why we cool off so effectively and efficiently at night. Dry air allows your temperatures to really fall off nicely at night but then rise quickly during the day when combined with sunshine. Dew points will be on the rise. You'll actually notice some humidity and mugginess in the air by this upcoming weekend. But even before then, just an influx in the overall humidity levels going from the very dry air now to just slightly uh, well, not as dry air by Thursday. That's going to lead to some morning fog and a little bit of drizzle. And that's going to be a trend and a pattern Thursday morning all the way through Sunday morning. Every morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll have that nuisance dampness and reduced visibility because of fog and drizzle, but no real good moisture coming out of it. Weak disturbance over Arizona. That's throwing some mid-level clouds our way, and especially just to the north of us. We're not going to get any rain from that, unfortunately. There's a stronger system that's throwing some energy and moisture on shore in the Pacific Northwest. And we're going to see an overall troughiness and big upper-level dip in the pattern as we get later into this week and especially into next week. But I think the energy is mainly going to stay north of us. We just have a few slight rain chances coming down the pike. So let's talk about it here. 40 degrees tomorrow morning by the afternoon will be in the mid-70s. So long sleeves for the kids at the bus stop, but later on in the day, short sleeves, a-okay. Nothing but sunshine, too, and a, a light and variable wind. Hondo tomorrow morning, 39. Uvalde, 37. For the most part, right around 40 degrees. Canyon Lake, even 38. So we'll have some upper 30s out there, but then we all break into the 70s by the afternoon. Anywhere from 73 and Bernie to 75, Elmendorf and Castroville, about 75 for the high. Saturday and Sunday, with the added humidity in the air, I do think we'll also make it to about 80 degrees, the high temperature. Low 80s, we're predicting 81 Saturday and Sunday for the afternoon highs. And then you look ahead at those rain chances. Sunday, a 20% chance, a cold front, a weak one. Hits on Monday, with that, a 30% chance of a few showers.
Thank you, Adam. In case you missed it, coming up next. Don't miss Ashley's Midnight Madness VIP event. Friday only from 10 a.m. to midnight. Save 25% off store-wide with no minimum purchase. Or get 0% interest for five years with no minimum purchase and no down payment. Friday only at Ashley. You don't just wake up and decide to change your life in a day. You start by changing how you think, what you eat, how you move. Soon, you realize that you've created something altogether new. A new person. A new future. At University Health, we believe in the power of change. Because that's where healthier begins. So, what will you change today? Save a seat for history with a 2022-23 Spurs ticket membership. On sale now. It's the Silver and Black's 50th season. And with plans for every budget, there's no better way to celebrate. Or learn more. Text FAMILY to 210-444-5050. Or visit spurs.com slash memberships. Handcrafted pizza dough made fresh daily and all the best games. Peter Piper Pizza is committed to making family fun easy and safe. Our top priority is safety for you and our team. It's why we installed sanitizing stations and why we use enhanced cleaning procedures to disinfect our restaurants with state-of-the-art sanitizing equipment every day. Family fun with a commitment to your safety. That's what you'll find at Peter Piper Pizza. Pizza made fresh, families made happy. At Viva Windows, we know that your home is your biggest investment. That's why we make the best windows with high-quality materials right here in San Antonio. If you have fog in your windows, cracked window frames, or high-energy bills, we can help. We offer excellent service, warranties on our products, and competitive financing for those who qualify. Call us to schedule a quote and find out how we can help you today. Viva Windows, San Antonio's window company. Initial measurement is complete. Begin go, no go terminal count. Sys 1, go. Sys 2, go. Call the launch, we're missing supplies. Ma'am, there's a vehicle approaching the launch pad. Right on time. Order for George? Thanks, partner. We can't orbit on an empty stomach. Savings this Friday at Ashley's Midnight Madness VIP event. Save up to 25% off, plus get 0% interest for 24 months. That's up to 25% off your entire purchase, plus take two years to pay. Friday only at Ashley. Tuesday, March 1st. Well, still no arrest after a shooting on the city's northeast side. Police say just after 12.30 this morning, a man was in his vehicle when someone in another vehicle started shooting at him. Police say a bullet hit the victim in the leg. He was taken to the hospital and should be okay. Before most people had opened their eyes, San Antonio police were opening up a murder investigation. They got the call around 1.30 this morning about a shooting in the 5500 block of Fredericksburg Road. A parking lot near the Forest Ridge Apartments. Within seconds, police knew the reports were accurate, that two people had been shot. They found a 28-year-old man with a gunshot wound in his head. 
He was loaded into an ambulance for a trip to a hospital. The other victim at first was nowhere to be found. Somehow he went to the hospital in a private car. And police say he was suffering from a gunshot wound in his neck. In a deadly shooting from yesterday, a woman who was shot and killed in the 100 block of Inner Park Boulevard identified as 51-year-old Maria Virginia Hernandez. The suspect, 54-year-old Enrique Lada, we're told he is currently in custody in Mexico. With the deadly invasion inflicted by Russia on the Ukrainian people intensifying, the humanitarian crisis there is mounting as well. We've seen the fear and suffering playing out on those packed railway cars and in platforms crammed with thousands hoping to escape Ukraine. UNICEF saying that of the estimated 677,000 escaping to neighboring countries, more than half of them are children. It's Ford Truck Month, Texas. With new inventory arriving daily, it's time to get after it in a Ford F-150 and the Ford Ranger. Stop by your Texas Ford dealer today and let us help you custom order your truck your way. Then we'll get after building. It's Ford Truck Month. Visit your best in Texas Ford dealer today. Place a new retail order and get a Ford F-150 with 2,000 bonus cash plus complimentary maintenance at your best in Texas Ford dealer. This is my personality, to be able to smile, to be happy, and I lost my smile. At Excel Dental and Implant Center, we replaced missing or failing teeth in just one day with our brand new treatment, New Teeth Today. Dental implants that look and feel just like natural teeth. I light up just talking about how I can smile. I got my swag back. <laughs> I have my swag. Call today for your free consultation and see just how much difference one day can make. When it comes to personal injury attorneys, results speak volumes. If you've been injured, you know who to call. J. Henry. Available 24-7 nights and weekends. We each walk our path with individual dreams, with small wins along the way. When we desire to do better for ourselves and our community, many small wins have the power to make an impact. With FirstMark's Power of the Dollar account, you will make a difference in the lives of students and educators for a lifetime. With only $1 a month, we have the power to make an impact together. There's only one clear choice for all your window replacement needs. Republic of Texas Window Company. Quality windows in all types, styles, and price ranges to meet any budget and with a lifetime warranty. Republic of Texas Windows. Quality, affordability, and selection. For over 100 years, Cantwell Mattress has handcrafted its mattresses here in South Texas. We choose only the finest quality materials like 100% all-natural cotton in our handcrafted, state-of-the-art adjustable mattresses. Through the years, the Connors have handled some big issues. We can't lose this house. It will kill my dad. Grab a bucket and start bailing because the Connors are going down. As only they can. I've always been proud of you. But then I gotta look at your competition. But this one. What is it? Oh my God. It's close to home. Damn. What is up with all the police in the neighborhood? The Connors. New Wednesday on ABC and stream on Hulu. Viewer discretion is advised. 
Welcome back, and we are in the heart of the KSAT newsroom right now, as we do most election nights, we are going to give you election results, reaction, we have candidates on hand. It is our election night breakdown 2022. We've got just a couple of minutes before the polls close at seven o'clock. Of course, there's always, and we hope there are still people in line trying to get their votes counted when those polls close. As soon as we've got numbers, we're gonna start going over those and talking about the biggest races to watch, the most interesting races, a big one being the race for Bear County Judge. Yeah, we also have the statewide races covered. Who will make the runoff when it comes to Attorney General for the state of Texas? Will the governor, will the lieutenant governor avoid runoffs in their own party's races? Those will be very interesting to watch. Uh, we have a, po a power panel that's going to be with us all night. Kevin Wolf, DeMonte Alexander, Molly Cox. We have Bear County Judge candidate former District Judge Peter Sakai on hand. He will be one of our first interviews. And of course, numbers, numbers, numbers. <laughs> and what do you like to call this live stream? It's kind, of like a, it's kind of like a Wayne's World, <laughs> kind of like a Wayne's World political thing. Every yeah. election. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Come check it out. Any streaming platform will join you here in just a few minutes, a few minutes after seven. See you then. Is pain holding you back? Best Feet helps with foot, knee, hip, and back pain. With over 20 years experience, Best Feet will help you live your best life. Stop in today or book online. Let Best Feet help you stay active, pain-free. Kneeling to do gardening. Playing outdoors with the grandchildren. Is knee pain keeping you from activities you enjoy? Arthritis Relief Centers offers a non-surgical, FDA-approved treatment with low-dose x-ray guidance you should consider first. Call 210-405-9694 to schedule your free screening. With Arthritis Relief Centers, you can live your life in motion. Call 210-405-9694. From minor accidents to extensive damage, when it comes to fixing your vehicle, Blue Ribbon Auto Collision Center is dedicated to quality and service. Our expert technicians will get your vehicle back on the road in pre-accident condition or better, guaranteed. And our service specialists will keep you updated every step of the way. At Blue Ribbon, we repair your car for you, not your insurance. Blue Ribbon Auto Collision Center. Quality and service made us number one. Quality and service will keep us number one. Is pain holding you back? Best Feet helps with foot, knee, hip, and back pain. With over 20 years experience, Best Feet will help you live your best life. Stop in today or book online. Best Feet can help you stay active, pain-free. A little extra moisture later this week. We'll talk about what that means on the night feet.
Welcome to Breakdown Vote 2022. I'm Steve Spreester along with Myra Arthur and a cavalcade of guests that will be joining us tonight <laughs> as we run through some of the numbers on this primary election. There are a lot of uh, lines of thought that we're going to be following, mm -hmm. including the turnout numbers, yes. including Bear County Judge, Henry Cuellar, Jessica Cisneros, and we're going to have a lot of the candidates themselves that will be joining us live tonight. And we talk about the turnout we were discussing with some of our panelists off to the side. We'll introduce them in just a bit about the turnout in a primary. But of course, this time around, we have the issue of mail-in ballots being much more of a problem exactly. for voters uh, due to confusion over the changes in rules. We heard from our Patty Santos earlier this evening. 35% were rejected when usually it's a fraction of that number. So we'll talk about how that could potentially play into some really key races and some new faces in those key races that we will see one way or the other uh, after tonight. Yeah, and we have a fresh batch of numbers that I think we're going to get to right off the top here and uh, quickly run through them. We have some of the county numbers that are out right now. We don't have the statewide and some of the uh, uh, congressional numbers right now. But first, let's start. I think we're going to start with the Bear County judge on the Democratic side. These are the numbers right. that we just got in. And you can see Judge Peter Sakai right now with 43% of the vote. Ina Menjadas, state rep, with 30%. Ivelisse Mesa Gonzalez with 19% of the vote. It was common thought Common was that thought, Sakai yeah. would get into a runoff, but who would be his opponent? And it was really thought that uh, Ina and Eva Lise, I've had so many people tell me just different names on that. Let's bring in our power panel right now to react to this particular race. Former city councilman and county commissioner Kevin Wolf with the stud open road Stetson. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for go. being with us. Absolutely. Demonte Alexander, who is a uh, campaign strategist consultants, you name it. Molly Cox used to be with SA 2020. Now she's gone the consultant route as well. And uh, it's easier life, right? I'm yeah. just glad that you joined us in studio, Molly. It, I appreciate coming back. I would like everyone to stay away. <laughs> Keep their distance. distance. All right, quickly, before we've got Judge Peter Sakai, who's the leader right now, who's ready to talk to us. But Kevin, your reaction to these numbers. This this one went exactly the way I thought, thought it would go. Uh, I figured Peter would, would certainly come out in the lead, uh, followed, I actually expected Ina a little closer than that. Uh, but I, I figured these two for the runoff in the Democratic primary. DeMonte. Yeah, I'm actually surprised uh, until I looked at the numbers. I, I really thought Ina was going to, um, with her experience and with her connections throughout the state, I thought Ina would pull, pull first. But after looking at the finance reports, you know, <laughs> numbers don't lie. And Judge Sakai sitting on a war chest, and, and that, should, that explains to me why he's sitting where he's at. Yeah. Molly? Yeah. Yes. There were a lot of people that said Eva least. Elisa's mother, Choco Mesa, grassroots organizer, somebody that they thought that she had learned a lot from and would be a, a candidate to get in the runoff, at least right now with these early numbers, doesn't look like that's happening. Are you surprised by that? Uh, no. Um, I think... I think we all have seen Ivelisse in the back, right, because she's been the chief of staff right. for a mayor and hasn't really been out front. So learning who she is in a, in a county is very hard. Um, I think she was also up against two very strong candidates um, with Ina and uh, Peter uh, Sakai. I'm like, I call him just Sakai. <laughs> so we just call him Sakai. Well, maybe you um, can because he's here right now. Let's oh, bring him in. Sakai. Hi, Sakai. Judge Peter Sakai, come join us out here on the set. I'm going to actually give you your own microphone. 
So if you want to start singing Donka Shane tonight yes. or something like no, that, no, 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 no. Uh, you're more than welcome. All right. your, your reaction to the early vote that we're seeing right now? Well, I'm, I'm honored that the voters have put me in a top slot. And we're obviously looking perhaps at a runoff. You know, all, all the votes haven't come in, but we're, we're, we have put on a very strong campaign. Mm -hmm. We did a very grassroots campaign, and our numbers show it. We're almost there. We're going to wait till the total e-votes come in, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have an official statement to make. Give me a snapshot. What is it like to be a candidate five minutes ago before these numbers came out? And now, when these numbers come out, because obviously you think you put in the work, you think that you have the the the, the support, but but once you see it, it's got to be a totally different emotion. No, it's just it basically it's an affirmation of the hard work we put in. We put, I have never worked so hard in this campaign, and I want to thank all the supporters, the voters, and especially my family. My family was all in on this campaign. How about who is stacking up to be your potential? runoff opponent any thoughts on i know you're waiting for more numbers but now that you're actually seeing some any thoughts on what that contest will look like going forward all we're going to be doing is asking the uh the opponent who is left out of the runoff to ask those voters to come on board with the sakai team all right i want to open it up to the panel kevin question for judge sakai now, Judge, uh, how's, how's it feel? You, you've run as a judicial candidate before, mm -hmm. and, and you know what that, what that road is like. Uh, I am w making a guess that running for a seat like this is a far different sort of proposition. You know, you have to get a team around you, those types of things. So how's that, how's that felt for you? You're exactly right. We, we, I had to also adjust. I ran in 2006 and then had three uncontested terms for a district court. Yeah and always was the highest vote getter. So, you know, I came in here with a lot of confidence. I came in here with a lot of experience and that's what I'm offering the voters for county judge yeah. to basically let you know what you got as a district court judge is what you're gonna get as county judge. Leadership, experience, depth of knowledge, character and reputation. And so we're, we're hoping to get this thing done tonight, but I'll be real blunt. Tomorrow, if we're in a runoff, we're ready to go. Demonte, question for Thank Judge Sakai. Yes, Judge, all those character traits you mentioned, those strong character traits in terms of leadership, Judge Wolf embodied those, right? And so, and, and I think he's, he was able to appeal to an, uh, Republicans, Democrats, independents alike, young, old voters. How do you plan on appealing, if, if, if elected, how do you plan on reaching all those um, constituencies? Well, basically, I've had a great relationship with Judge Wolf and Tracy Wolf and mm -hmm. developing the Children's Court and creating innovative programs, out-of-box thinking to make our Children's Court a nationally renowned court system. And basically, I've always had the support of the moderates, support of Republicans. I will anticipate being the strongest candidate for the fall and being ready to go. And we'll have, a, obviously, another tough race in the fall, and we'll be ready to go. Thank you. Molly, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that you brought up the children's court. Like, I think everybody knows you as the guy who loves kids. <laughs> like, I, you were that guy. So I think it's really interesting to see you pivot from being the guy that we all know has been such an advocate for children to what does that look like when you have to broaden it to not just children, but adults and animals and roads and highways, right? What does that look like as a different kind of judge? Well, Judge Wolf announced his uh, a retirement at the end of this term. That's the reason why I stepped up to be to run for county judge and stepped down. I, I, I made it clear that I was running for county judge by stepping down from district court after 15 years. I could have obviously served out my term. I could have ran for another term. 
but I saw an opportunity to make sure that the county stays child-centric and family-focused. Mm -hmm. And we've seen with these child abuse and neglect deaths most recently, we still got a lot of problems. And I want to make sure the county stays focused on the infrastructure, which is children and families of this community. What can a county judge do, though, to affect those issues? Mm. It's basically making sure our court system's strong, making sure the programs, and we're supporting restorative justice programs. You've been at my family drug court, my early childhood court programs, graduations, and we're putting families together in our court system. And I want to continue that restorative justice to make sure that we're focusing on the positive aspects of people in our justice system and getting them on the right path. That means make sure we have infrastructure, workforce, economic development, and education to make sure it's strong in our county. We got some more numbers uh, coming in here, but first let's look at the Republican side of this race. Any thoughts here, Judge? Well, obviously, Commissioner DeBerry, or former Commissioner DeBerry, is looking like the likely Republican nominee, and if that's the case, I'll be ready to go to take her on. All right, I know you got to get out of here because you've got a watch party, and I'm sure there are a lot of anxious people that want to cheer you on there. You have a message to voters tonight. What is your message? The message is if you've seen me as a district court judge and being the child-centric, family-focused, that's what you're going to get as a county judge. And I'm going to ask for your vote and support in the fall election. Judge Peter Sakai, I appreciate you swinging by the station. Focus. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We go way back, so it's good, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys. Congratulations so far on the early numbers. Thank you very Thanks much. for being here. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, so we're going to go through. I think we have some more numbers. Yes, we do. That we want to go through Let's right now. Let's take a look here, see if we've got. All right, okay, no numbers there yet. We have got. All right, these are the state. Yeah, those are the numbers that we're saying are hard to uh, get to right now. The yeah. representative of the different districts. All right, so so far we only have the judge race for Bear County judge numbers. We're still waiting on some of those other numbers to load into our system, but we do have on the Republican side. We do have Trish DeBerry in the house with us this evening. Right, so she is, I think, I think she's talking to uh, the judge right now. I think she's talking to Judge Sakai. Uh, <laughs> sounded like a friendly, uh, a friendly back laughs. and forth yeah. there. Uh, but you know, we could have our first Bear County judge <laughs> debate <laughs> tonight. Right. Trish DeBerry joins us, who is doing very well tonight. Trish, congratulations on the numbers so far. Let me. Let me give you one of these here. Perfect. Yeah, come yeah, on over here with us. With you tonight. I'll let you stand Hi, between. You. Well, let you stand between Myra and I. Your reaction to the numbers that you're seeing tonight? Uh, we are incredibly gratified, obviously. However, we took nothing for granted in this race. I know there are people that are like, "There's no competition. You got this. You only run two ways, right, Kevin?" Wolf? That's right. That's Scared right. Scared or unopposed, <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. I mean, we sent mail. We texted every forum, every debate, to get in front of people, we were there. So obviously it's paid off, so glad to see it. Talk about your decision to enter this race because it was down to the wire. <laughs> because I know we were all looking at the clock, wondering, okay, um, is she or is yeah, she exactly. not? So yeah, talk I kept, about- I kept telling people, no, I'm told she's gonna be there. Yeah, well, yes. Steve, Steve was calling, Ursula was calling, Myra is a neighbor, so she probably was knocking on my door. I know where uh, she lives. You did not want to see, I had zero makeup left on my face at the end of the day when I made that decision because it was like hand wringing and face wringing. Look, I love the job as county commissioner. It's, you know, I probably enjoyed the job much more so than I thought I would. 
uh, because I love digging into policy. I love identifying problems and how are we going to get to that solution. And I think that's exactly what I did on Commissioner's Court was really I was very effective because I was not only able to identify what is the solution, but I was able to cultivate votes as the only Republican on the court with other Democrats, whether it was a property tax rate decrease, whether it was a body cam video release in 10 days. There were some good things that we accomplished together, and I think that's what we're missing in politics. All right, yeah. someone who knows what you speak of, would you say <laughs> the only Republican on the Democratic Commissioner's Court? Kevin Wolf, you're, you have a question. Yeah, no, I, that's uh, that's really the, the question, and, and you mostly answered it. Um, you know, I've always felt that at the local level, it's it's not in our best interest as a community to have partisan races. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't have that on city council. It doesn't make sense to me that that we do have that at at commissioner's court. And that means you have to figure out how to build those bridges. And, mm-hmm. and being the only Republican, as, as you know, I spent 12 years as the only Republican there. Uh, <laughs> it can be a lonely position. It can be very Kevin. lonely, yes. very lonely. You know, that's, you know, to do that from the judge's seat makes it that much harder. Yes. So I think, like I said, my record as county judge really has shown that I can reach across the aisle. I can talk to uh, Commissioner Calvert. I can talk to Commissioner Rodriguez. I can talk to Commissioner Clay Flores. What this is not, when we look at what is in the best interest of San Antonio, it's never about what is viewed solely through a political filter. It is about a filter about what is the right thing to do. And I feel like that's how I legislated, is what is in the best interest of the people. You know, whether it was the property tax rate decrease, whether it was jail administration, you all know, obviously, I held the sheriff accountable for jail overtime and what we're looking at, and I will continue to do that suggested we get a consultant in there to benchmark against other counties so we're not wasting taxpayer dollars associated with the jail. And thirdly, this is a passion point for me, I led the effort for a resolution regarding all judges to hear the backlog of domestic violence cases. There was a little wavering when it came to doing that and I said, you know what, we're going to get a resolution together, I'm going to get my fellow Democratic colleagues to sign on to that resolution and we are going to get all of them to hear them to clear it. And not only did we do that, but I helped to lead the effort through conversations that we have with the DA's office, with the judges, regarding what are we going to do to really defeat the scourge that is domestic violence, and not just domestic violence, but child abuse, because it's all intertwined. And quite honestly, we haven't done enough. We appropriated a record amount of money, $4.4 million, probably the most the court has ever appropriated, to get rid of what I have called a public health crisis in this county. And I want it even more because the DA's office needed more investigators, surely. But my hope is when I'm judged that we will continue to tackle those issues because they're critically important issues, not just to the domestic violence issue, but to raising people out of poverty. We have the same poverty rate that we did since 1982. Clearly, we have got to be doing things differently. So that is what I do. I dig in and I look for solutions. DeMonte, you have a question for Trish? Sure. Hey, Trish, how you doing? Hey, DeMonte. <laughs> how are you, buddy? I'm, I'm, I'm well. Good. Thanks for being here. Um, so the question I have is similar to Judge Sakai's question. Obviously, Bear County has been a blue county mm-hmm. for quite a long time. I can't remember the last time we had a Republican sitting judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Susan Parmelo was the last countywide, you know, in terms of uh, political party. So mm-hmm. um, you mentioned the body cam, uh, mm-hmm. body camera issue. Um, I, I see... My question to you is, if, if elected, how are you going to appeal 
to, a, to across the line, across a, a lot of different demographics of voters other than just the Republican Party, especially when it comes to some of these issues about social justice, about um, some of those more progressive issues that the community cares about. Um, how do you plan to uh, appeal to those voters or also represent those voters as well? So I think back to one of the points that I made. It's not just about what is viewed through a political filter. It's about what is the right thing to do for this community, mm -hmm. DeMonte. Mm -hmm. And to your point about the body camera release footage, I waited a year for the sheriff to come forward with a policy. Um, and we have a record number of lawsuits that are facing the county relative to that. Uh, there was no conversation associated with that. So you, I said, you know what? We're going to bring it forward. We're going to put it on the agenda. We're going to get the criminal justice department to benchmark against other counties and other cities to see what they're doing. And we're going to have a conversation about this. And then we're going to take a vote on what does the release policy look like. And there again was able to cultivate two votes. And we have one of the strictest right now, our release of body cam footage in 10 days. There's no reason why we're not releasing that footage because the good news about this is not only does it help victims, but it also exonerates police officers probably 95% of the time. But there's no excuse for why we're not releasing that footage. We spend millions of dollars regarding equipment to make sure that when police officers go into a dangerous situation, they activate that camera. We need to have it released in a timely fashion. So I got a lot of crossover appeal associated with that decision. I think the property tax decrease defies partisan issues and what we're looking at. I think the domestic violence policy that I've taken, you know, and the leadership that I've taken on that issue really crosses partisan lines. So I think there's an opportunity for me to be able to get a lot of crossover vote associated. In fact, I was at a polling site today. There's a gentleman who came up to me, a lifelong Democrat, and he told me, he said, I appreciate the fact that you beefed up the constable's offices to make sure since the sheriff did not have as many people in his civil office regarding TPOs, temporary protective orders, and temporary restraining orders to get those out, you beefed up the constables. And so now, he said, it is the best we've ever had because the constables are doing a great job regarding TROs and TPOs. I can't thank you enough for that. He said, and for that, I'm going to be voting for you, and I'm going to tell all my friends to vote for you, too. So, Thank you. Thank yes. You. Molly. Molly. Oh, I, the fact that you come down the thing, I know you're going to ask me and I get surprised every single time. <laughs> um, I, I think my question would go to um, campaigning versus governing. Um, and that you're very good at campaigning, uh -huh. right? A PR person, somebody who right. communicates, good at campaigning. And then you got to shift over to governing. And I would venture to say that being able to participate in the policies you're addressing also has to do with the fact that you had somebody like a Judge Wolf who's been there, I, it was 100 years? <laughs> I can't remember the number. Yeah, yeah. pretty close. I was like, help me, Kevin. Including Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, being able to sort of also help You're going to be around a long time, Kevin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that he was there to also help with consensus was beneficial. So I think the question for you is, hey, difference between campaign and governing is real, and we haven't been yet able to see you govern because, you know, you left for a minute. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying, hey, what how, what can we expect from you in governance? Um, so I would, dis I would disagree with you a little bit, Molly, I mean, yes, I think, because should. I think you have been able to see me govern, even though it's been for a very short time, for yeah. a year. Um, as I tick off the things that I was able to do, I fulfilled all of my campaign promises to the constituents of Precinct 3 in one year. And, you know, I was called a force to be dealt with on the court. And you know what? I'm not going to shy away from that. I want to be a force. We're not going to be on that court to rubber stamp decisions that are made on a regular basis. And I'm going to push back and I'm going to ask tough questions. And I think that's the reputation that I had on Commissioner's Court was, look, if we're going to, it's not just about how we spend money. 
but if we're going to appropriate money, I want you to come back to this court, and I had this conversation several times. You know, if we're going to appropriate the money, I want you to come back and I want you to show me how you're moving the needle associated with those dollars. And by and large, people were very receptive to that. Like, we want to show you how we're moving the needle. So it wasn't about me being critical, but it was about the fact whether it was the property tax decrease, because as I talk to people, even running for county commissioner, people every day right now are being taxed out of their homes. They want property tax relief and they want appraisal reform. We build upon that incrementally, right? Not just with a small property tax rate decrease, but with a homestead exemption up to $5,000 of the county that doesn't exist today. And I think everybody looking can at the get Bear, that. Looking yeah. at the Bear yeah. County Hospital District and looking at a tax exemption there. And then hopefully as a Republican judge, going to the legislature, which is Republican controlled and saying, hey, we need a special session on appraisal reform and how we're gonna redo this because the way we fund education in Texas is a burden on the homeowners. You know, uh, not just San Antonio and Fair County, but the entire state. So, you know, whether it was that, whether it was domestic violence, whether it was jail administration, whether it was, and this is really a point of pride for me. I went to a committee on elder care and I was told that there were 1,200 cases that were backlogged in the DA's office. And I was also told that for five years there had not been an elder prosecutor nor an investigator funded or appropriated for that office. And so I called the DA in and we had a conversation and I said, hey, I'm going to be your advocate because we have an aging population and those senior citizens that are being targeted every single day don't have the time for pro prosecution nor restitution because many of them are older. And so guess what we got? An investigator, not just a prosecutor because that's what I was asking for, but he asked for an investigator too. We got that too. So I think, Molly, you have had a chance to see how I will legislate. And when I see that there is something missing and there's something that is wrong and we need to fix, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to advocate for it. And for the most part, I will tell you, when I advocated for it, I got the vote. So that's the kind of judge I'm going to be. little interaction I saw with uh, Judge Sakai as you came in. Yeah. You, you congratulated him. Did I did. I, hear that right? I did. Sometimes I can do two things at once. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening off to the side. Well, I want to see you juggle ears. and tap dance. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's really? not going to happen. That's yeah. not going to happen. But, yeah. but congratulations thank on tonight. You I know much. you have thank a watch you. party you have to get to as well. Yeah, thank and, you very uh, much. And yeah. I wish you well. Congratulations. Yeah. We appreciate the like opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, yeah. which is yeah. good. Yeah. Chris DeBerry, All right. congratulations. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. take that unless you want to sing Don Cashane. Yeah, there you go. All right, we're still working on getting some more numbers loaded up here, but I believe we do have some numbers on voter turnout. Our Patty Santos, she is live down at the Bear County Elections Headquarters. She's been there all evening, and it looks like Jackie Callanan, the elections administrator, about to step in front of the microphone to talk about today's turnout. Yeah, let's let's go down there live right now. Uh, Patty, can you hear us? <laughs> Okay. As we're they're getting, yeah, as they're getting uh, Jackie mic'd up there to give the very latest, which we did expect about 7:30 this evening. We talked earlier about how mail-in ballots were a big issue. Something I'm sure she's going to address when sharing these numbers. Seven o'clock. We had 72,370 people vote. So I'm happy. Remember, I said I was looking for 65 to 80. Thought that was great. And at 7 o'clock, we had one site over 800 voters. And I know you can guess which site that was. That's Brook Hollow. 
And then we also had 15% of our sites that were in double digits. Today. So we had we went from the highs to the lows. Um, everything's been going well. We know that we do have some lines. We had people in line at 7 o'clock. And as we know, they get to vote if they were in that line. So we'll watch those numbers go up a little bit. Please go to our website. The report is out from early voting and by mail. All of that went smoothly. So you can digest the reports. Uh, www.bear.org slash elections. And it's in a real clear form so that you can see the numbers from early vote and then separately by mail. And throughout the night, we will be updating those to add the election day as they come in. We have six sites around Bear County where our 279 sites will go to turn in their results. That way everybody doesn't have to drive downtown, so we should have that information to you a little bit quicker. Okay, but it's been a good day. It was a beautiful day. And we'll watch the numbers come in here shortly. Uh, earlier today, it was 43, 42. You were very thin. You were not very uh, optimistic that we would get to Right. Them. Remember I said? I think you all did. Remember I said you're going to go out and report this on All the right, so you're watching live. That is elections administrator Jackie Callanan talking about the turnout today of more than 72,000 voters today, which she thought it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 65. She would, she was actually prepared to be disappointed at that number. And she said she was happy. Right, and there's still people that are in line, specifically at the Brook Hollow Library. Yes, always a very popular polling site. So we didn't hear from her about that mail-in aspect, but I know she's going to address that with our Patty Santos, who's going to cover that and talk about the potential impact there. But day of voting on Election Day, the elections administrator said that she is pleased, although when you look at the overall numbers always of registered voters in a primary, it's still low. But let's continue talking about this race because we now have Ina Minjares, who is running for Bear County judge, potentially headed for a runoff. We have to wait and see. But we have her joining us now uh, via Zoom at a watch party to talk about the numbers so far. Ina, good evening. Thanks for being here. Uh, your your initial reaction to the totals at this point. Ina, can you hear us? I don't think she can hear us. I don't think she can hear us either. Uh, she's live at her election night party. Ina, can you hear us? I just Okay. I don't think so. We're having some sort of trouble there with the uh, Zoom call. Yeah, so, we will have to see how just, we can get that her. worked out. Our, our power panel also texts candidates to let them know that they are on Zoom. <laughs> right. So, hey, where are they're pulling double duty. This is a power panel. <laughs> this is just some panel I put together haphazardly. I mean, a little bit. I don't call them a power panel for nothing, Myra. All right, so let's go through Let's go through some of the numbers while we hope to get hooked up with Ina Minjares live from her watch party, as you saw there. Uh, I still can kind of hear her in the background. Ina, can you hear me? Really good after this. I think I can need something. I can hear her. We can hear her. Okay. But I... 
I'm, I'm right, guessing gotta, maybe it's something on our end, but let's go through yeah. some of the numbers right now. Uh, guys, let us know when she uh, can hear us, if we can give any kind of test to that. All right, so this really so far has remained unchanged. Uh, Democratic side for Bear County judge. We've talked about the Republican side as well. We're still waiting on some of these state numbers to come in right now. so this is this is early voting and it says 72 22 that's shocking but what i'm told is this is just early voting from bear county yes okay. that's what i'm told right now so these numbers will obviously change over over time but right now uh maybe even in bear county this is a surprising number uh for the jessica cisneros versus longtime incumbent henry cuellar and uh, the question is, will this be headed to a runoff? And we'll continue to follow that. But if she stays with this number, it's not going to happen. Yeah, we will see what happens in this race. One to watch. Now, we understand Ina, after, I don't know, maybe DeMonte's text, can now hear us. <laughs> Hi, Ina. How are you? Hi. Good evening. Hey, good evening. It's good to see you all. You as well. Talk to us about your reaction to these initial numbers. I'm ecstatic. You know, we are exactly where we thought we would be. I don't have the name recognition throughout the county, except in House District 124. So I had to work really, really hard starting in early November to get my name out there. With it was with polling, with it was an aggressive field, with it was also aggressive uh, mail. And, uh, you know, not having the money, you know, having to work hard to raise that money and, and we are exactly where we anticipated to be. So I'm just ecstatic. I'm looking forward to May. Am I understanding you right that this was basically in your mind getting into On a runoff with Judge Sakai? Is that correct? That's correct. I, you know, I had to catch up. I had to, to get my name into the community and, and really, uh, you know, sell myself to the voters. And, and I'm really pleased at where we are tonight. What is your message? What do you think that resonated about your message to voters tonight? Uh, you know, the fact that I'm experienced and the fact that I get things done, the fact that I've done, uh, you know, I've carried out the issues on the state legislature that, that are the same issues that are going to come before Bear County. And so I'm, I've got a proven record, and that, I think, resonated with voters tonight. As you look forward to your race, at least right now, it looks like it will be a runoff between yourself and Judge Peter Sakai. What differentiates your, you and your campaign and your policies versus Judge Sakai? You know, the quality of experience. I've been working in these type of issues, budget experience, uh, transportation issues, housing. I have been doing that for close to seven years now. And so that's what differentiates me. I'm not, I'm not isolated to one particular type of experience. I have an array of experience. And I'm going to bring that to the court if I'm elected. And so I think that's what distinguishes us. So number one, the type of experience, the quality of experience, and that I'm, I'm ready to hit the ground running if elected. And there is an election for your uh, seat in District 124 at the state level. We talked to you, I think last time we had you on our KSAP Q&A. Why come home, if you will? Why go local, leaving the state level and pursuing something right here at the ground level? Because an opportunity like this, an open seat for Bear County Judge doesn't, doesn't come every day. This is a very rare opportunity. And I took a leap of faith. I, I visited with people I respect, with advisors, with mentors, with, with constituents, with family. And I knew that this was a leap of faith I needed to take. And, and I was ready. After getting the experience I got on, in the house, I knew this was my time. And so I took that leap of faith. All right, why not let our panel uh, ask you some questions here quickly. You know, I know you're in the middle of your watch party. You got a lot of stuff <laughs> going on. But Kevin Wolf, you get the first question for State Rep. Ina Manjadas. So 
so uh, Ina, it looks like uh, you're going to be in a runoff uh, with Peter. Um, how do you how do you feel that election day is going to come out for you? Because uh, you know it's a little different voter that that comes out on election day as opposed to to early vote. Do you think you have a, a better shot at some of those numbers? Will we see your 30 go up uh, based on today's vote or not? I think we are. Um, you know, I saw incredible turnout at the Great North, Great Northwest Library, which is in the heart of House District 124, which I represent. And so I'm confident that the number is going to go up for Election Day. I think my voters came out, my constituents came out today. All right, Molly, I'm going to really shock you. Your turn now. Oh, look, I'm number two. I did a number two. Hey, I actually, my question is so about the idea of going from a statewide office to a local office. Um, and what that feels like, what it could look like, were you to get through this, how you sort of pivot right messaging from overarching into particularly right now with the way the state legislature is going um, and coming to local spaces. I, I just want to hear more about that. Or read your That's a great question. You know, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't that much different. I mean, you're looking at a race that's countywide with a way bigger population than my house district. But the issues are really the same and it comes down to leadership. It comes down to being able to work with people. You know, I was able to work across the aisle in a Republican dominated legislature and I was one of the few Democratic lawmakers who was able to be effective and get things done because I understood the value of those relationships. And also because of my work ethic, I was placed on very key committees that many representatives wish that they could be on. And I was appointed to those committees by Republican leadership. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's not that different. It's just the, the voter base is a lot bigger than a House district. But the issues really, truly are, are pretty similar. It's just on a county level. DeMonte, you have a question? Yeah, well, not much. Well, I guess you have a question. So, Ina, I mean, you, you, you have a proven body of work from the state, you know, um, also uh, doing some great work at the state. Um, you've also shown an ability, and I've asked the other candidates, you know, how they plan to work across the aisle. And I think you, over your career, you've shown that you have the ability to do that with all the number of bills that you passed. And I, and I guess what I would, would like is, how do you plan on leveraging your relationships at the state and your understanding of how funds and resources pass down to counties, to cities? How do you plan on leveraging the, those relationships? Mm. I mean, that's, that's critical there is I have had the experience of being on the appropriations committee uh, for two prior sessions. I was the Bear County uh, representative that had to serve on appropriations and really have the responsibility of bringing back that funding back to Bear County. And so I already have established relationships with the Speaker of the House, as well as the Senators, and as well as, you know, the Lieutenant Governor and the Governor, um, as well as their staffs. I think it's really critical to know that we I have those relationships already in place. And so again, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get to work, uh, you know, starting in next January. Um, and this is not something that you learn as you go. There, These relationships are already in place, and, and that's going to be really key to this position. All right. I see you have a crowd around you of uh, <laughs> adoring uh, people at your watch party. Thank you very much for joining us via Zoom. And uh, we look forward to talking to you a lot between now and the runoff election to come. Thank you. You all have a great night. All you right. Too. You as well. Okay, we want to go back now to the race for District 28, U.S. Representative. We said earlier, Steve, that we believe these were just Bear County numbers. These appear to be statewide numbers, as this graphic reflects. 
Jessica Cisneros with 69%, longtime incumbent Henry Cuellar with 25%. So there was some big reaction earlier from our power panel. Yeah. I'm hoping we can recreate that because there were some big eyeballs over yeah. here. And I also got some numbers that were read to me that I don't think are being reflected in this vote that, that Cuellar won Webb County by almost 30 points. 61 to 36, and he only won it by 10 points the last time. So there's some numbers that are going to, this is a race that's going to be in flux okay, all, night. all night. Yeah, Molly, your reaction to what we're seeing here? I mean that, I'm like, Burr? Yeah, I, That's right, my yeah. Scooby-Doo reaction. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. That's why I am a power panelist. Yes, you are. Some people tweet candidates, other people give us you know, Scooby-Doo reactions, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so... Here's the, here's the question when I look at this race. I mean, I have so many people tell me that there are Republicans watching this race very closely because if Henry Cuellar goes down tonight, they think that they have a shot at this. They're not sure that uh, a progressive like Jessica Cisneros will play in that district. You agree with that or disagree with that? Uh, I, the fact that you're asking that question and I'm sitting here close to Kevin and he went, huh? As soon as those came up, I would say maybe there's a potential conversation there about that. And I also think what you're seeing in a primary is very different than what you see in a, in a statewide midterm election. Correct. The the people who are fanatics like are us, like yeah. real like hey Democrats Republicans who go out to vote in primaries are different than who turns out in a in a midterm. And also, this is still huge um, to see this kind of turnout and that those kind of numbers. I realize this is going to be in flux. I don't know. I think we're in a different world if, right if now. If these numbers stay the same, uh-huh. uh, it's going to scare the hell out of Republicans. Uh-huh. All right. And so, yes, I can see a path. I think it's a very narrow path uh, for a Republican to, to win that district, but uh, they'll certainly be energized by it uh, because, you know, Henry has, has always been a moderate. Uh, and I can tell you from hearing from my Republican friends, uh, they are very scared of a Cisnero. So maybe we'll see. It'll certainly make the general more interesting if this stays the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Demonte. Yeah, I mean, you're going further away from ideally who you want in office. So, yeah, that's scary. But, you know, I always say follow the money. I mean, this is very surprising to me because of how much money he, he outraised her by. Right. So I expected him, you know, when you have that amount of money, you have access to all the sophisticated voter outreach programs possible. Right. You know, Beto had it when he ran. Uh, and so I was just very surprised at the numbers. Now, I know it's different. Each county reports differently and all those things. But it's still very surprising to me that she's that far out ahead with the amount of money that he, he raised compared to her race. I'm very surprised because I didn't think it was outside the realm of possibility that we'd see a runoff yeah. in this race mm -hmm. between yeah. Cuellar and Cisneros. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, it still yeah. could happen yeah. uh, once we get some numbers from the different counties. I mean, this is a, right. it's a huge district. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But early on, I'm surprised. Well, if you you talk sorry, about that, well, the the money that Cuellar has, mm -hmm. but the name that he has. Yeah. I mean, it is rooted in, in politics in South Texas. But then there was that FBI raid. <laughs> so that threw uh, mm -hmm. things, you know, made a little bumpy. Mm -hmm. You talked earlier, DeMonte, about yeah. the impact of that. So you think that's what we're seeing here? I mean, you have to factor that in. You know, I mean, last the last cycle, you know, they were hair thin. And you spoke about name ID. Jessica Cisneros is coming to this race, not as a rookie. 
Right. She very ran true. a very competitive yeah. race last cycle, and she's been spending the last few years building on that on, on that progress and that uh, and that momentum that she's had in that last cycle. Now you're seeing the uh, the ramifications of that, right? And so obviously the investigation didn't help uh, at all. Uh, no one wants to see that coming down the pipe, as Hillary, you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But uh, you know, definitely not a good thing. But again, you know, we've seen these races where they're like this before, and by the end of the yeah. night, it's it's hair thin, you know. So, I want to welcome our next guest in. The district attorney for Bear County, Joe Gonzalez, joins us. And Joe, here, let me give you your own microphone here. And I, I, I think I, I think he's wearing the uh, khaki trousers because I asked him to dress like Steve Kornacki tonight. So I think I think that's maybe why one of the reasons. So here, I'll let you stand between Myra and I. But I, I, okay, you were on a post tonight, so congratulations. Thank you. They tell me I've won tonight. So. Yeah, so that's good. That's why you have the broadest smile of any of the candidates we've had on so far. Talk about. It doesn't seem like that long ago when you were running for district attorney. I mean, it does not seem like it was four years ago. It seems like you just got into office. I mean, but you've had a lot of things that you've had to deal with. The pandemic, uh, obviously domestic violence issues that we've seen rise to the forefront. What is your message to the voters moving forward? Well, thank you, Steve. It it has been a very challenging uh, three years. And you're right, it it seems like just yesterday that we did all this. By the way, I'm glad that I'm not having to stress out like so many of my friends tonight. But uh, but the message is basically going to be this. I promised four years ago that I would bring criminal justice reform to Bear County. We've done that. I'm very proud of the work that we've done. I'm proud of the initiatives we brought, like site and release and some other programs. We've brought transparency to the office. It's going to be about whether or not the, the voters believe that we're going in the right direction, that we're doing uh, what we're doing and making a difference. And uh, I said all the time, none of the programs that I'm bringing, uh, I, I do it with the idea of compromising safety. If anything compromises the safety of this community, then I'll, then I'll change what I'm doing. But I, I think we're, we're, we are heading in the right direction, and I hope the voters feel that way come November. So you talk about how four years ago you did say criminal justice reform is something that you wanted to deliver on. You say that you've done that. So what's left going forward? If reelected, what's your your top priority? Oh, I mean, I've only just begun. You know, I'm, I'm 62 years old, but I feel like I'm 40. I, I want to keep going, and and I want to continue the work that we've done. Uh, it, it really has made a big difference here. Here's here's the problem. We have 250 prosecutors, but we handle 60,000 cases a, a year. We have to prioritize. We could not do an effective job if we spent. Uh, as much time on the low-level misdemeanor cases that are have been the subject of our criminal justice reform. We're making a big difference in that respect. 5,000 people have avoided uh, being arrested because of the reform of uh, through site and release. And by the way, that's because of the huge partnership with SAPD. We wouldn't be able to do that if the officers didn't make the decision out there on the street to cite them instead of arrest them. That's just one example of the kinds of initiatives that we brought to the office that we have to continue, that I want to continue into the next term. And there's also a huge pandemic factor that Steve alluded to, a backlog, tens of thousands of cases within the court system. Well, that's right. For 14 months, we shut down totally. Uh, you know, many days I was in the office and, and I would walk the halls and everybody was home, but I did that on purpose. I sent people home to reduce the amount of exposure, uh, but we had now close to 20 months without jury trials. So what they did is that created a backlog. It's not anybody's fault. That's just the re- reality of it. But we are ready now to roll up our sleeves, get back to work and move those cases that, that have 
uh, created this backlog that we are seeing today. Before I let you take questions from the panel, I want to ask you if there's also a little sense of deja vu tonight that you're also you're going to be taking on another LaHood, not well, not Nico LaHood, but his his brother right. Mark. I mean, is is there some deja vu in that as well? Well, there is, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be positive. I hope that he'll be positive. It's going to come down to the difference between philosophies, between his philosophy and, and mine. And and so I hope that we can run a clean campaign. I hope that uh, we can stay positive. But right now, I'm going to focus on continuing the work that we're doing over the summer until we start rolling up our sleeves and, and, and fighting uh, for re-election. DeMonte, you get the first question for the district All attorney. Right. Hey, how are you doing? Um, so um, I think the question I have is, um, it's more of a, it's, it's not really more of a question, but you know, when you first started off, I remember when you first got elected, uh, it, was, it was a lot of very contentious things happening in terms of the community. Seems like you've kind of caught your wind and becoming a more uh, more focused in terms of the agenda and what you want to lay out. And so, how, do, how what, what's what's next? Like to Steve's question, uh, what can we continue to improve on, and what are some of the challenges that you've you've had in your first few years that you still want to improve going forward? Well, now that we've been able to introduce criminal justice reform, and and people realize that I'm not the monster that other people thought I was by bringing reform. Again, we're talking about low-level nonviolent offenses. We we can continue to focus on what's important, which is uh, cases like domestic violence, which is a big scourge in our community that we need to focus on. Fortunately, we have uh, supporters. Uh, in the commissioner's court, I have to uh, acknowledge my friend Kevin Wolf. When he was on the on the court, he was a big supporter of that, as well as his father and other men members of the court. We have judges on uh, on the criminal the judiciary that support what we're doing. So we're going to continue with that. You know, we we see what's happening with gun violence. We see the the you know the the increase in homicides, but not just in cities that have criminal justice reform, but but major cities throughout the country. We want to focus on trying to eradicate that. We want people to understand that nothing that I do has caused an increase in homicides. Again, we're focusing on the reform side, just on the nonviolent uh, misdemeanor uh, cases. We want to focus on trying to to uh, redirect that kind of tr crime and trying to reduce violent crime. So I do have a follow-up. Yeah. So, you know, Trista Berry, uh, former Commissioner Trista Berry was just on and she talked about some of the things she's doing with body cam. And so how, how is your office working with the county and other officials to, when some of these social justice issues pop up, sometimes it seems there's a little disconnect, but what, what is your office doing to, to coordinate and collaborate with other other bodies to solve some of these issues. Well, you know, there are a lot of issues in what the question that you have, but first is the body cam. So back when I was a young prosecutor 30 years ago, it, it was easier to put a case together because you didn't have body cams. Now you can have a typical case where you have 15, 20 officers show up to a crime scene and they all have body cams. And so every one of those ca uh, cameras, the footage has to be reviewed by our prosecutors. What that does is it creates a lot of man hours that have to be uh, invested in order to prepare for trial. So that's part of the challenge that we have. We've, we have digitized our, our intake system, our discovery process. So we're trying to be more efficient in the way that pre we prepare for so trial. faster. Right. Okay. And, and you talked a little bit about you know what's different, and and one of the the, the uh, reforms or initiatives I'm most proud of is is our civil rights division, where we look uh, at those kinds of cases because we're going to hold everybody accountable, including members of law enforcement. And so that's what that's about, is about accountability. I say all the time, we have a great uh, police department in this city. Uh, and and they they want the same thing I want, which is to to identify bad cops. 
uh, and, and, and uh, deal with that so that we can, we can continue to be effective in crime fighting and prosecuting in this, in this city. Thank you. Kevin, your question. Sure. Uh, Joe, it was great working with you when, when I was on the court. I really, really appreciated our time. Uh, so I always referred to it as the big three, uh, and that's essentially the sheriff's department, the DAs, and the judges. That's where all the money goes. That's correct. Uh, and, and I heard uh, Judge Peter Sakai, who's been an outstanding district judge, talk about his vision in regards to being county judge. Now, there, there's nothing even remotely close <laughs> to being a district judge and a county judge. One's really an administrator. One is, you know, the interpretation of the law. Uh, but I heard him say something about how he wants to make sure the courts are funded appropriately. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, I think that's very important that the, that the courts be funded appropriately because I say all the time that one of the biggest frustrations is the lack of manpower, the lack of resources to do our job. A big example, and I have to keep going back to this, is, is uh, domestic violence. There was historically only two courts that handled these cases. Now we've, uh, we've gotten m more of the judges to agree to handle these cases. But because of the funding from Commissioner's Court, we have now temporary courts that are going to help with the backlog. So absolutely, funding is important. We need to continue to fund the judiciary. We need to continue to add resources so that we can keep our community safe. I am so ready. I'm going to ask you if you have a question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For the Thank DA. you so much. It's your Thank turn. You. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go fully in a different direction, okay. and I want to talk about the fact that you had 11 people in your office running for office, right? Um, running for judges, oh, running... Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 11 ADAs. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm just saying. Oh. Look, I, I was ready. <laughs> I think that it was... I, the fact that you said yes we will keep you you can keep your job and run for public office is a testament i think to civic engagement and civic participation rather than saying like you have to get out which is what happened to you right um i want to ask what came about as a human who's extremely excited by the fact that 11 people thought i want to run for office and some brand new young women of color who've never done it before i want to ask how that came to be or why you decided that well, first of all, I, and you sound like you know the story. Back 25 years ago when I decided to run, I was told either you quit or you get fired. There were eight of us, seven of us uh, resigned and the fourth was fired because he said, I'm not quitting. Uh, and I thought, and who, who would have ever thought right 25 years ago that I would ever be the elected DA? But I said, if, if I'm ever lucky enough to be the DA, I'm not gonna do that to my employees. I'm not gonna make them choose between uh, choosing to run for office or keep their job. And so I decided back then that that's what I was gonna do. And here, fast forward 25 years later, here I am. Uh, and it's 13, by the way, not 11, because two uh, district right. clerk races. Uh, and I set them all down, and I talked to them. I said, look, you have a, a, a right to run. I'm not going to interfere with your right to run, but, but here's, here, here, here are the rules. And I made them sign an agreement saying, you're not going to campaign during working hours. You're not going to do anything uh, to, to, um, uh, to, to create an appearance that you're, that you're doing something inappropriate or imp improper. In fact, some of you, I may have to reassign you to other divisions. And if you do anything to violate any policies, then, then, then you may be terminated. You may be sanctioned for violating those policies, violating those policies. But I wanted them to feel comfortable that they could run for office and not feel like they were jeopardizing their jobs. You know, I kind of feel guilty that it, that you come down here and you've got the Steve Kornacki outfit on, and, and uh, I kind of think I should let you, like, punch one of the races up that Myra has, you know, before we let you go. But to, uh, congratulations again tonight. 
and your message to the people who are watching tonight? Well, you know, and, and I thought I had a marker, but I forgot to put I wanted a marker. But yeah, yeah, that would have got us all in trouble, yeah. just so you know that. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, no, you know, as I said, my message is uh, I, I, I very much appreciate uh, the opportunity to be your elected district attorney. It's been a great three years. I love what I do. I get up every morning. Uh, thanking, uh, thanking the good Lord for giving me this opportunity. I have 500 people that are very dedicated to what they do. I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to finish with criminal justice reform. I want to continue to keep this community safe for your family and mine. District Attorney Joe Gonzalez, thank yes, you for stopping by. Thank you for by. being thank here. You. Always a pleasure talking much. to you. Thank you. All right. Good, good luck going Folks. forward. All right. So I know that we are going to uh, talk to County Judge Nelson Wolf coming up in a couple oh. of minutes. But what yes. I'm wondering is if we have time to go to Laredo, because that is really one of the stories that's playing yep. out tonight. Yep. The Jessica Cisneros campaign, I believe our Alicia Barrera is down there. Uh, I don't know if we have time to go to her, though, before we talk to Nelson Wolf or not. All I'll right, put this so microphone we, down. she is, Alicia is at the Jessica Cisneros campaign watch party this evening. I'm sure they have to be happy with how numbers are shaking out right now. However, we're going to have to wait just a few minutes, as I understand it, uh, to get to Alicia so we can get that reaction. So we're going to work on that. In the meantime, though, we want to go to that Zoom call with the one and only outgoing judge <laughs> Nelson Wolf. Is he with us? Yes. There he is. <laughs> judge Wolf, can you hear us? Yes, I can. I can tell you Perfect. can because you're laughing, probably probably at your son, I'm guessing, who's joining us on the power panel tonight. But your thoughts tonight as you watch the race for your successor play out, your initial thoughts as you're watching tonight? Yes, I, uh, you know, it, nobody had, at least that I know of, had a very good feel of what would happen in the Democratic primary. We knew over in the Republican one that Trish DeBerry would win that and would win it easy, and I think the last the early numbers show her at about 65%. But in the Democratic primary, everybody I talked to wasn't sure how it was going to shake out. Everybody thought Sakai would lead the ticket because the other two are women, the other two are Hispanic. They would split the vote. And uh, that's true. I think Sakai may have done better than what some people thought. She, he was at 43%. And then Eno was around 29 or 30, and then Ivelisse around 18, 19. So uh, we now know, uh, now again, we're, this is early vote. I mean, we don't have the election day vote, but uh, probably not gonna change that much, I don't guess. So we know there'll be a runoff uh, between Sakai and uh, Ina Mahatas. Now, runoffs are very strange now. It used to be till the legislature changed it, and gosh knows why in the heck they did that. It was rather stupid. But it used to be within 30 days of the primary. But the runoff doesn't occur till sometime later in, Ma in May. So there'll be almost three months that will go by before people will vote in the runoff again. And a lot of people, you know, forget about it over that period of time. So what you'll have to watch in the runoff is it how well organized and how good a ground campaign they have and are they able to turn out their vote it could go either way uh, and again i'm just talking about the early vote uh so it'll be interesting to watch that runoff in the county judge race i think we had three good candidates uh that were running in the democratic primary i think they were all good qualified and i think trish DeBerry is qualified 
You know, this race is the local race to watch in large part because you are not in it for the first time <laughs> in decades. We know we are going to have someone new. So I'm just curious on this election night, you're at home, you're not here in the, the newsroom with us. What's it like for you to reflect on that, seeing these new faces that you were familiar with, but now you see numbers attached to their names? Well, I must say that it's a much more relaxing night. Uh, <laughs> I did just get back from Northwood Elementary School where my grandson was in a little play, but people were still lined up uh, when I left there. I think I left there about a quarter to seven, something like that. And uh, so there are a lot of people still in line. So the vote that occurs today, you know, could, could have an impact. I talked to Jackie Callahan, our election administrator, several times today. I believe at six o'clock we had 60,000 people voting. I would assume in that last uh, hour, you're going to have 10, 15,000 votes. I think we'll vote 75 or 80,000. And, uh, you know, that, 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 that compares to the uh, early vote uh, in the uh, 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 absentee vote and the early vote uh, with a total of, a, of about uh, 100 and looks like 110,000 or so between both 109,000. So this election day vote is pretty darn heavy uh, and could impact uh, several of these races, certainly the ones that are close. I love that uh, you're. I love that you're not even in this race, but you still have your numbers <laughs> that you've written down in front of you. You know, you probably know can tell me exactly where the vote's coming in from. I mean, I love all of these things about the fact that this. You know, you are not just kicking back, taking it easy tonight. You are like no, no, no. I, so I, 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 I'm curious. How involved in this race will you be going forward? I know that you have said you're not going to get into anything until the final two are set. Then will you be endorsing somebody? Do you anticipate no, that happening? I will, not, I will not be endorsing anyone in this runoff. Uh, uh, like I say, I, uh, the thing that's pleasing to me is that we've got good candidates running, and I feel comfortable uh, with any of them that won. So, uh, I'm not going to insert myself into this uh, runoff election. Uh, what I've been mostly concerned about, uh, do we handle the election correctly? Are we getting a good turnout for vote? We'll vote more in this election than we voted in 2018. That's the last gubernatorial election. So you got to compare those numbers. You can't compare it to the presidential year two years ago, because that's always going to be higher. But to me, the fact that we're voting higher that we did in 2018 is a good sign that voters are exercising their right uh, to go to the polls and to choose who they think are the best candidates. So I think that's a, a good thing for democracy. The bad thing for democracy is the way that the uh, early uh, uh, absentee votes were done with senior citizens. A lot of them were confused. Uh, I believe we've got, um, the last count I saw was about 1,700, maybe it's probably more than that, uh, where people made a mistake in, in, in sending it in because of the, all the new requirements. So what the election officer has to do, they're trying to contact them by phone, uh, trying to email them, ask them to come in and give the correct uh, additional information that's necessary or to mail it to them. They had till Monday to do that. So in a real, real close race, there's probably still going to be 
you know, maybe a couple of thousand boats hanging out there over the next few days because of these stupid new rules they put in place. Well, Judge, before we open it up to our panel here, I'm just curious, why not? Why not endorse somebody? And was that always part of your plan or is that a decision that you have made along the way after announcing well, that you were not going to run? I, I would be endorsing if I thought that one candidate was extremely better than the other and that uh, it was important to uh, elect that person. I'd be right out there fighting for him. But we've got good candidates. And uh that's why I'm staying out of it. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in the runoff with uh, Judge Sakai leading the ticket uh, with uh, uh, Ina Mahadas at 30 and uh, 19. Uh, with Eva Lee, do they co coalesce and come together or do they split up? Uh, if you take their two votes together, they got more than Sakai, but that doesn't mean that the two women candidates will hold together. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, what transpires over here over the next uh, two or three months as we go to the to the runoff election. Any questions from our panel? I'm guessing there know. may be some. Maybe, maybe one or two. <laughs> Devontae, we'll start with you. Hey, Judge. Uh, so, Judge, uh, you've been a uh, bridge builder in this community for a very long time. And I, I always tell people, the judge, when I worked for the judge, he was the first candidate that I saw that had a list of Republicans for judge and Democrats for judge. And I just found it always to be just an incredible thing uh, to see. And so I guess, um, you know, I know you're not going to endorse anyone. I wasn't able to hear your comments, but is there a level of mentoring um, these candidates and maybe helping them kind of, you know, understand, you know, what's happening, what's, what's currently happening in the county and what's, what, where the future of the county is going in the city? Is there any type of mentoring going on between those candidates equally? Well, you know, I've told all of them anything they needed from me in terms of information or things the county were doing. I'd be glad to share it with them. Uh, uh, two of the candidates uh, 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 have some experience in the county. Uh, you know, Trish was on the uh, commissioner's court for, I don't know, was it 10 months, maybe 11 months, maybe 11 months. And uh, so she learned a lot, you know, during that period of time. Judge Sakai has been a judicial judge, which is much different than being the judge that runs the county. But he's been around it for a long, long time. Uh, we've worked together on a number of proje projects. He keeps up with what's going on. So he didn't come in, you know, totally unprepared either. And then you and you take Ina Mahadas, even though she has it, uh, she did was a prosecutor now let's not forget that she was a prosecutor so she does know the courthouse but she's been in the legislature and she gets a sort of a bird's eye view of what's happening down at the county level and what's important and legislation that's important to us and she's always supported uh, the county initiatives so uh, she has a she has a pretty good grasp also so we we're very fortunate I think this community is very fortunate I'm very very happy that's why I got out early over a year ahead of time to give good candidates in there. And I'm so delighted we got good candidates. Molly, your question. I would ask one that's innocuous, basically, <laughs> and say, you basically spent your life serving our county and our city. And I wanna know the first thing that you're going to do when you don't have to wake up in the morning and drive downtown <laughs> to your office 
And if, well, you I, know what if, if it's, I'm going to steal Kevin Wolf's space on the power panel, <laughs> that will make me laugh. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a little routine, and at least the first part of it will be the same. I usually get up about 6 o'clock, you know, do the traditional canes, get coffee, read the newspapers, check the Internet, and then I write. I usually write for an hour, two hours. Um, so I'll, I'll certainly continue doing that now. Uh, and I am working on some writing projects. Now, uh, what I would do to uh, go out and do like a job, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to wait and see. Uh, I'm 82. I'll be 82. And so, but I still got all my marbles, and, I'm in <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I have them when I leave. <laughs> and so, uh, I'll probably take a job doing something, you know, uh, uh, to keep to keep active and to keep up. But I'll always keep up with uh, what's happening politically. I, I'm, you know, I'm a local guy. I, I don't have any desire. Washington. I don't have any desire about Austin. I have it. I watch what they may do to us, and it's always in a negative way, usually. But I'm very much a local government kind of guy, and I'll continue to stay active and you know try to be a good civic uh, leader. Enjoy retirement. That would be yeah. That'd be a good plan. I, do, right? I don't think that's in his DNA. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, one, I mean, I'm, not, I'm watching no. these him, him like crunch the numbers and do all these other things. And somebody who probably knows that very well is his son Kevin Wolf. Yeah. So you yeah. get the final question yes. to your dad tonight. You know, that, okay. dad's definition of retirement is just more work. <laughs> so so you know, uh, you know, he'll be 82 this year. Uh, Unfortunately, my wife has now said that she expects me to work oh. until 82. So, oh. th thanks a lot for that, Dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll ask you a, a not so simple question. Okay. You're fixing to go out of office after serving many, many years in a number of different positions. What will you miss, and what will you not miss? Mm. Because I can tell you, and you know this, as an elected, you pay a price. Yeah. So, answer those. Well. You know, uh, I've thought of, I've thought about that. Um, you know, ever, so far as ever since I made my decision to not uh, run, and I think I announced it last, uh, I don't know, what was it, September, October, uh, I felt good about my decision. And, and, and Tracy kept saying, wait till you wake up the day after you leave. You may not feel so great. <laughs> and uh, she might be right. <laughs> so I, I think what you miss the most is the action. Uh, you don't know what's going to come at you every day. I like political battles. I like to uh, engage. So I will miss the action, uh, uh, I think, more than anything. What won't you miss? Uh, well, some of the commissioner court meetings are not always delightful. <laughs> Me? What? Come on now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So Come I won't on miss, now. I won't miss some of those. <laughs> well, we've we've taken up a lot of your time tonight. I appreciate it as always, Judge Nelson. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking a few more times here over the next few yeah. months. I do I do have one question for you. Will you endorse whoever comes out of the Democratic primary? You know, that's another good question. Uh, uh, the, the primaries will happen in May, and we will trail on up to November. I'm going to watch and see what they have to say. 
And uh, if I feel like both are fine, I probably won't. But if I feel some things one candidate's uh, advocating that I really disagree with, then I might, I might very well endorse. Interesting. Judge Nelson Wolf, always appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Yes, thanks for being here. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at some numbers. Let's see if we've got any updates here. All right, so this is back to, okay. All right, so now this one's seeing, tight, tightening yeah, up. It's uh, getting, getting, well, not getting interesting. It continues to be <laughs> interesting. Um, any reaction from you guys? This is what we're expecting? This is more what okay. what I was expecting coming into it. Um, I, you know, I, I called it a toss-up uh, because of the, the stuff that has taken place. Um, but it's, it, it is hard to unseat incumbent. Uh, and even with, you know, things like the FBI investigation, those types of things, you can see maybe it didn't have quite the impact some folks were thinking. This is, this is with only 2% reporting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of votes that are still out there that, yeah. that we're going to have to take a look at as well. All right, let's flip over to Republican side of this race, see if we've got numbers there. Casey, Cassie Garcia Cassie with 32%. Garcia. Stephen Fowler, Ed Cabrera, Sandra Witten. I think Cassie was the one Ted Cruz was endorsing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't Willie Ng in this race too? He, he's in the Jessica Cisneros race on the Republican side. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. And Cuellar race on the other side. Yes. Right. We have not taken a look at the governor's race as of yet. I don't think there are any real big surprises here. No. No. Everyone's going meh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll that switch it over to. We got to look at it, right? Yeah. Another. That was pretty much okay. expected. All right. This is the one I was curious about. How many people would vote for? I mean, Rick Perry. Right, right, just because it was of the name. The yeah, other yeah. Rick yes. Perry. Three percent of the vote. Three yeah. percent turned out for Rick Perry, the former you know, governor. I would tell. <laughs> that's what. I, that's what I think. I think. I think that's. I think they thought right. that's who they were voting All for. All right, yeah. maybe. I wouldn't would tell people three percent. I would say I got twenty-four thousand votes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's what he's going to say. That's what he's going to say. Um, yeah, All right. Let's look votes. here. Attorney General. That's one, Steve. You mentioned that you that, wanted to definitely yeah. look Ooh. at. Okay. Yeah, and this is this is the thing. I yeah. think everybody thought this would be going to a runoff. The real question was, yeah. will it be Eva Guzman or will it be George P. Bush? Yeah. Uh -huh. And right now, it's neck and neck. And even Louis Gomer, you know, this is only seventeen percent reporting, yeah. so yeah. it's still really wide open between who looks like they're going to run against Ken Paxton. Is there? I, I'll ask the Republican in the room. <laughs> is there one of these candidates who's a bigger challenge to Ken Paxton than the other? Yes, um, Ava Guzman uh, would be the bigger challenge. Um, and here's your rule of thumb. The incumbent coming out of a Republican primary, if they don't have 45 plus percent, they're, they're in trouble. real, real trouble. Interesting. All right, quickly, I think we have our Garrett Berger who is yes. at the Sakai uh, watch party. Garrett, are you with us? Yep, we're here, Steve. Yeah. We're out at no. we're out at Sakai's watch party where I he's been greeting supporters. Very cheerful mood here as he is ahead right now in the run in what appears to be a primary that's headed to a runoff election. He's got about 43% of the vote, still about 13 percentage points ahead of his next his next opponent, uh, state representative Ina Minjares. Now Sakai had actually stepped down from his position as a district court judge so he could run for county judge. From judge to judge is his hope, and he seems to think that they've got the momentum to do it. 
Now, he was talking when he came in to greet people as if he as if he was hoping that they might be able to pull off an overall victory, although he seems more prepared that this will be an actual runoff election. We are, ho we are hoping to get some more results here pretty soon, but the early results, if it keeps on, tack, if it keeps on track with these, yeah, we're, we're expecting a runoff to happen. Now, Judge Sakai spoke to supporters, already mentioned that he's going to be seeking the endorsements of the two uh, of his two opponents who did who do not make this runoff, which at this point looks like Ivelisse Mesa Gonzalez and Gerardo Ponce. But right now we don't have all the votes in, so it's hard to say for sure. But definitely looking like a runoff at this point. We're going to be heading over to State Representative Ina Minhares' watch party in just a little bit, expecting a pretty similar move. I can imagine. Now I'm over on the. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine Garrett Berger. I appreciate it. I think you're at uh, Los Barrios. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> yes, sir. We're at Los Barrios. That's uh, the Sky Watch party still going on right now. I'm, I'm very adept at, at recognizing Mexican <laughs> restaurants from the inside, just so you know that. It's always Garrett. a hot spot on an election <laughs> night, too. Garrett, thank you so much. I'll see if we can bring you a doggy bag. That okay, would be great. That's a Thank promise. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looks like it's kind of continuing the mood that he had here earlier this evening. Yes. Sounds like it's going to be a good night for him as well. All right, I think we have uh, County Commissioner Tommy Calvert, uh, yes. who is with us uh, in the building somewhere. Is he back in there? You want me to go get him? Andrew's <laughs> There he it. is. There he is. Hey, Tommy. Good, good. <laughs> I, I like to say that, uh, you know, I call uh, Kevin Wolf one of our OGs. You're also, you're also one of our OGs, one of our original guests yes. when, I say, when I say OG. Here, I'll have you stand in the, stand sure, in the sure, middle you here. Got it. You got Hi, it. good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. Yeah. Your reaction to the numbers that you're seeing tonight, let's start with the, with the Bear County judge race. Sure, I, that's what I expected. Um, I'm supporting Judge Sakai, and I think... Uh, his goodwill and running on a countywide ballot for many years uh, uh, and also having uh, just a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm uh, for his support for, because of what he's done with children uh, really paid off. Uh, it's a big county and he has relationships everywhere. So uh, not surprised. I know many were hoping that he would pull it out without a runoff, but not, not easy. I, but I find it running for county... Running for a district judge, it's much different than running for, for sure. a county judge. Uh, so, I mean, that was a challenge that I thought that he needed to prove that he could overcome. Did he do that tonight? Yes, he did, and I think he can do a lot more going forward. I think he's going to have to strengthen his communications going into the runoff. There are advantages in the runoff to, for Sakai in a Democratic primary. Uh, the, the runoff electorate favors Sakai. Uh, and so he's got to get really into tune with the issues that are hot right now, high cost of things for people. Uh, the inflation is really hurting a working class community. What he's going to do about that, what he's going to do about children, quite frankly, who are in our schools and facing mental health issues and all kinds of educational attainment issues that affect our workforce going forward. He's got to really bore into that and communicate that in a stronger way. Since you are uh, supporting Judge Sakai, you sit on Commissioner's Court, I want to echo one of the questions from our panelists. How do you think that his experience as somebody who really has made a name for himself in children's court, being an advocate for kids, can translate over to the administrative position as head of the county? He has the best experience, and here is why. We are in a state of public emergency. 
when he has those children come before him, they're in a state of emergency. And what does that mean for voters in his position as county judge? It means good judgment of how to use the very important emergency powers of the county judge, which supersede the mayor if need be in a major uh, emergency. He understands how law enforcement is connected to protecting the public. He understands how nonprofits, the public health system, the justice system, the, all of those come together to help protect the community, uh, whether it's a homeland security issue or whether it's a public health issue. Secondly, because he's dealing with children, he is seeing the mental health uh, anguish and he's very attuned to the fact that if we don't have solid young people, our workforce is going to be hurt long term. He is in the weeds about what young people and families are going through and so goes the the really the working class so goes san antonio and a lot of the children who are coming before his court are working class so he has a much more adept uh, local and it's because of the kind of public servant he is where he is really in the weeds trying to help each an individual situation that experience is going to pay dividends uh, for the issues that we have going forward Commissioner, I know that you are a student of the numbers. I was just uh, giving Judge Wolf some grief because he was like going over all these early vote numbers. Like, oh, you're not even running this time. You're done. This, you're done. Old habits die hard. Right, exactly. So I know you do the same thing. Yeah. What is jumping out to you about the numbers tonight? Is there anything? I mean, well, obviously, day of turnout was a lot, a lot stronger than yeah. a lot of people thought. We, I was very happy to hear the the election day. I think a lot of people were enthusiastic to get their ballot in. But I just want to say something, and I don't mean. Uh, to, to make light, it is very important for us just to be thankful that we live in America in a country where we can cast our vote in freedom. So the very first thing I thought about as someone who started his career in a war zone in Sudan where people didn't have the right to vote is thank God we still have our democracy. So I, I just want to acknowledge that for a moment. But, but looking uh, there, we still see it's a democratic county. Even though the president's poll numbers are not very good, uh, the county is still leaning by thousands of votes uh, democratic at a time that the mail ballot process was abysmal for many people who had it returned and may not have cast their ballot to be perfectly honest so I think those numbers are a little bit lower I think in the general election it's angered a lot of voters expect black voters to turn out in higher numbers than normal in a midterm uh, particularly because you have a party that wants democracy and one that doesn't. Uh, folks are not fooled by, uh, by that issue on the ballot in this midterm. It's the most important midterm in the history of the country. When you look at the number of mail-in ballots that were disallowed, something in the neighborhood of 30%, when normally it's two, is that concerning to you? Absolutely. Uh, we are working with lawyers. We are working uh, with voting rights groups to make sure that the vote is counted. We're going to work with individuals and civic organizations to get people geared up for uh, the disenfranchisement and make sure that their, their ballots count. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, this is the, the number one issue is the ability for people to vote on the ballot in the midterm. If we have any questions from our panelists, we can ask those if you can hang out with us for just a sure. minute. But we need to get to the District 28 race down in Laredo with Alicia Barrera, who I believe is now ready to, to talk to us from the Jessica Cisneros campaign. Alicia, how are things going out there tonight? 
To be quite honest, it's pretty quiet here. I spoke to Jessica Cisneros' team, and they tell me that they are being very vigilant about their those numbers. Of course, they are hopeful, but at this point, they're still keeping their fingers crossed. We did see a few celebrations. Of course, most of the attendees here glued to their phones, watching those numbers trickle in. At this point, about six of the 285 precincts have reported their numbers. Jessica Cisneros is in the lead over Henry Cuellar, but we're talking about 2,000 votes. Again, it's still very early on in the race. Anything can happen, but we know a lot is at stake here when it comes to this district. It's one that Congressman Henry Cuellar has held since 2005, so a nine-term run. And Jessica Cisneros is one of those that is hopefully, um, is hoping that her and her team can take over that seat. But today, they know that it's going to be a long night as they wait for those numbers to trickle in. Again, I have reached out to the campaign office for Congressman Cuellar to see um, how, how they're experiencing this. They're not hosting a watch party, which is different than we have seen in previous races. Here, it feels like a backyard uh, family party. She's actually not here. We know that she's hunkering down with her family, again, watching those votes come in. All right, Alicia Barrera live from Laredo. We'll see, of course, tonight on the Night Beat. Thank you for that report, Alicia. I really mm -hmm. appreciate it. And this is one of the races we talked about when we started this uh, uh, coming in, that this is one of those races we wanted to see exactly what would happen. It is very close right now. And you see something else tonight in some of the candidates that we've been watching. A lot of youth. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, almost jaw-dropping that we have some 20-year-olds who are going to Congress. I mean, that's that's very unheard of. Uh, and not just one, but maybe two uh, in the 35th and the 28th Congressional District. And, and uh, so they could be around for a long time and continue to rise in politics for a very long time. Uh, MOVE is an organization that's been organizing young people. But uh, you, you have to wonder uh, if Jessica Cisneros may be too liberal for that district because they're going to, the Republicans have an outstanding uh, candidate that, I, that may be in the runoff. Uh, I didn't know who she was, but I looked her up and saw that she's got uh, backing of Ted Cruz as well as President Trump. And the Republicans want and have made inroads in South Texas. Uh, I was just in Laredo. We saw a lot of Willie Ning he, uh, and his posters. He just wasn't able to break out. Once again, a very good man on the Republican side. So the matchup, uh, it remains to be seen. The Republicans are going to give South Texas a huge run. Uh, in the 35th, with Greg Kassar, uh, he seems to be the front runner in that, uh, has a huge portion of San Antonio. That's another district where it may be more moderate than him. You've got the hill country there. Uh, the most progressive part is the Austin part. The San Antonio part is much more moderate. So how he holds that seat remains to be seen in the years to come. I also think there's huge news with uh, District 124 replacing Ina Minjares, uh, a, a political novice, quite frankly, but she, I know her because she's been involved in, in our community. Yeah. Uh, and she's uh, Josie Garcia. She's went basically very handily uh, defeated two other uh, opponents in that 124th. Lucy Adami Clark had a kitchen sink thrown at her. Uh, very important position because it could be in charge of the elections. Uh, a lot of folks came at her. She ran a very strong campaign. A huge loss that I don't think people have registered yet 
which is potentially, it's not set in stone, but potentially Judge Rogelio Lopez in Precinct 4. It's not just because I represent Precinct 4, but the big thing that they tackle, first of all, they go through 50 or 60,000 cases, which is more than most judges do, mm -hmm. and they're dealing with evictions at the time of the pandemic. So you have Judge Yolanda Uresti, who could be in the runoff, who was sanctioned by the state uh, and sent back to judicial school, and a former clerk of the judge uh, who's not a lawyer in a big county, uh, how those evictions are handled is going to be a real question. We have a big homelessness issue. Uh, we'll have to watch how they how they actually work to a help down, people. A down ballot race that really matters. Yeah, that really matters. Yeah. I want to open it up to the panel, Molly. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate it. Hi. <laughs> Like, hi, friend. How are you? It's been too long. It's pandemic. It's the pandemic. You want me to give you guys a second? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Your periphery friend, like the people that you see out and about, you like don't see them anymore. All right. How's everything? Your life's all right? That's not my question. I have more. I do want to talk about the the mail-in ballot. That is not a like it's not a joke, right? And it was a relatively low turnout. Um, and we know that it's going to get bigger by November. Uh, and where does, like, how does the county step in when state law makes it difficult at a local level? How does the county then step in to make sure that the county, the institution itself, is holding the burden of? Well, let me point out a couple things on mail ballot that we didn't talk about. Just aside from the difficulty of many people putting their voter registration and their driver's license number, was potentially a Republican tactic that they may try to replicate in the November election. You look at Congressman Tony Gonzalez sending a mailer to the wrong entity as a return. So he had sent to Democratic primary voters and you know in his campaign his he has the best consultants in the country because he's in a swing district they sent to the wrong address i think it happened with a number of other republican candidates in texas so it was sent to lucy adami clark the county clerk instead of the elections department where it should have gone we have to really watch whether republicans send ballots that are false so here's what i think is going to happen i think the, the the president may even by executive order if he cannot get uh, the the Congress to pass the Freedom uh, to Vote Act and the John Lewis Act. Remember, the Emancipation Proclamation was enforced by executive order. Uh, many other things have been enforced by executive order. He may have to enforce voting rights. I anticipate the Justice Department will be in places like Bear County and across Texas and other states that have had histories of discrimination in voting, helping to monitor harassment, uh, mail ballots, uh, and trying to use federal authority to make sure the vote is fair. Uh, so I think that's going to be a part of the mix that, that happens as well. Okay. DeMonte. Commissioner. Good to you. see you, DeMonte. It's been a while. been a while, too, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, obviously, you're, I think now you're the most senior person on the county yeah, commissioner's court, be, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the question I have is, um, you know, out, outside, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, hopefully coming out of the pandemic, and there were some big initiatives, the city and the county were pushing in terms of transportation, digital divide. So with, with uh, your, your leadership ability, and, and if I was Judge Akai's team, I would have you on speed dial, the way he talked about his campaign. Right. But what, you know. I think he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I've been keeping it quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, with, with your, how are you leading the commissioner's court or in partnership with the commissioner's court to, now that we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic, how are, how are we pushing to some of those bigger issues like transportation and digital divide? 
Well, it, it is a crazy thing, and I, you know, giving deference to Commissioner Wolf, who served uh, so many years, uh, it is a crazy thing to be the dean of the court coming in. <laughs> but the very first thing you try to do is try to understand what the priorities of the commissioners coming in are, and try to help them, quite frankly, to get those things done. Uh, and they represent very different precincts. Um, you know, when, uh, for example, uh, Commissioner DeBerry came in, she wanted a tax cut. I felt I could go with that. I helped push that through. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Commissioner Clay Forrest was uh, big on mental health. We did a $4 million mobile mental health unit for schools, uh, things like that. Uh, but I also think we have to, you know, bear in mind some of the long-term issues are not going to go away and they've been exacerbated yeah. uh, and by so yeah by the mm -hmm. pandemic so you know you try to you try to get your colleagues up to date on as much data as possible without you know the the position is really a huge position with like comes at you like a fire hose and uh, you know for me it took me five years to really understand the position and normally on a job it takes me about nine months to a year mm -hmm. it's a big job much bigger job than most people realize so just really trying to help them uh, but then dealing with uh, number one our chronic under education uh, a sleeper issue that Bear County hasn't addressed, but it's got to, climate change. Uh, it's a, something that's going to motivate younger people to vote, but uh, climate change is going to deal with uh, weather issues. Uh, three, housing. We, we spent $181 million on rental assistance. That is astronomical. And what it's saying is that the population cannot afford the $1,100 average rent for an 800-square-foot apartment. We have a huge issue with wages and, uh, and rent, and we're going to have to invest in housing. Uh, the city uh, is doing a $150 million housing bond. I started that with Mayor Taylor. We sat in her office with Lila Powell and, and City Manager Scully, and we laid out the, the city bond. Mayor Nirenberg is enhancing it. Uh, but the county has to do more because folks are going to wind up uh, in the jail. The mental health, the big Achilles heel we have, a lot of treatment. I think it's going to take us a couple years to help young people out of this. Uh, but the big Achilles heel for us is really in permanent supportive housing for the severely mentally ill who are between 18 and 50 years old. We do not have enough for them. We've got to deal with that. We're dealing with 50 plus, but we have not dealt with... Uh, that and the foster care system right, boils right. into that because half of the young people in foster, excuse me, who have been through the foster care system are the homeless on our streets. Thank you. Kevin, Kevin. Question. so go, going back to uh, the, the county judge race, um, uh, obviously uh, you'll be su supporting uh, Judge Sakai. Uh, however, when you look at the demographics of Bear County and San Antonio as a whole, uh, and you see the second and third place finishers, uh, Peter's going to be running against a Latina female. Uh, how, how, does he, how does he overcome uh, that? Because the Democratic runoff electorate is different than the, than, the, than the primary, the March primary. I'll give you my example. Uh, in my precinct, uh, my precinct is about 41% Hispanic. Uh, about 30% uh, Anglo and about 30% African American. 
uh, in the runoff, I ended up beating my opponent two to one. I won by 64% because the electorate changed. Just like Mayor Hardberger defeated Mayor Castro in that 05 election, the electorate becomes different, less Latino in, in, a, in a democratic city, democratic county. And, and uh, so I think that may end up helping Sakai. But he's got a huge Latino following. I, I'd venture to guess that he probably won it somewhere between 20 and 30% of the Latino vote. Uh, I think that can build. I think he's got, I think all of the candidates have room to grow. I don't think anybody really broke out in any significant way. It was pretty even. Uh, and I think he probably is sitting on a lot more cash than, than the others. Um, <clears throat> so I think, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he's just got to make sure that his media is uh, stronger in this next run. So Molly mentioned, she pointed out something that I think Ivelisse had 19 and I think Ina had 30. 30. And so mm -hmm. you, you... And I don't know what it... What it what, oh, percentage, one, I'm sorry. One would say you, that, money. you know, if it was a heads-up race, that th those votes that uh, Ivelisse has would go to Ina and it would be a close, tighter they race. They don't necessarily turn out okay. in, a, in a runoff. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you like did you, did you think about running for Bear County, Judge? Uh, about one second and said no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, all right. Tommy Calvert, always appreciate your time, Good man. To see you. Thank you, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I know that we want to uh, get to some of the other races. Let's look. Yeah, look at let's the, take a look at some numbers at that Quayar we have. Race real quick. The Quayar race. All right. Well, I can go to that. Let's see if these numbers have changed at all. Not really. Not much change uh, since we last checked on this. But again, that's only two percent reporting. We have not looked at 122 at all tonight. Yeah, this is an interesting Lyle race Larson's to me. Seat. And this is, this is, so everybody can see again, here. this is just, just the just early vote, vote. but yes. you've got Alyssa Chan, mm -hmm. former city councilwoman yeah. with 39% of the vote, Mark DeRazio with 26%, Adam Blanchard with 22%, and Mark Daniel Cuthbert with 12%. This is still pretty close. I, I'm a little surprised that Blanchard isn't in second place right now. This yeah, is to uh, take over. This is to take over mm -hmm. the seat that uh, is currently held by Lyle Larson. You surprised by that, Kevin? Yeah, I am a little surprised. It also tells me that the far right is voting heavily mm -hmm. uh, because Mark is about as far right as you can go. Yeah. Uh, so um, it, it'll be interesting to see. This is early vote, and I would expect further right on the early vote. We'll see what happens today uh that difference can be made up uh, what are we looking at 500 votes right um but yeah i i predicted uh, early on that it would be elisa and adam in a runoff elisa's numbers are actually a little higher than i expected mm. i expected her somewhere between 30 and 35 percent so are you thinking it's you're seeing high. more far right emphasis in this vote because of the way that Lyle Larson got crossways with the GOP it could in be. the last it could couple very, of years? It could very well be. Uh, and, and see, that's, you know, for the Adams of the world, who, you know, is not as far right, uh, neither is Mark for that matter, uh, they, they keep their fingers crossed and hope that they can make it to the general. Because I tell you what, there's no way anybody was ever going to beat Lyle Larson. I mean, you had, you had, you know, Governor Abbott dump a ton of money against right. him and yes. couldn't beat him. He got primary. Uh, he got primary. And they did, it yeah, didn't work. And it didn't work. Right. Okay? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that tells you what the district is really like, mm -hmm. but it does, this reflects what early vote is like uh, in that district. And I can tell you, Mark is as far right as you can well, go. We talked earlier, we, we talked about the name ID and how mm -hmm. Lisa Chan has already served on council. Yes. But also, when seeing her communication, they she's had to go further right than she yeah. possibly wanted to in some of the communication they're pushing out 
is pushing her further to the right, which may have attributed to some of her numbers. So. Right. Her advertisements were certainly right. playing mm -hmm. up her conservative yep. right. you know, credentials. Right. And the same with Adam Blanchard yep. for that aspect. Mm -hmm. And if I'm correct, Adam Blanchard is who Lyle Larson endorsed. Yes. Okay. And he's in third place right now. Yeah. Again, it's just early vote. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I'm not exactly sure how this district works, but I know there were lines at Brook Hollow. Is that within yeah. this district? Uh, it's just outside side of that district. Just outside but the district. Remember, they're, they're, they're voting stations. Now you can right, vote you can anywhere. You can, anywhere. You can go anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, any yeah. thoughts for you on this race? No. I'm like, I, I, I'm, um, I, I remember Lisa Chan on city council. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a gay woman, wasn't a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Fair a statement. That's, That's a thought. thought. That is a thought. All right, let's take a look at, uh, let's see. I love it. I'm here for Have it. Have we done 35? Via All right, oh. Via Grant, I'm going to get part of the stage oh, open over here. Line. Thoughts on yeah, this race? I I Obviously, 60, some emails from Greg. Yeah. Local name recognition, former city councilwoman Rebecca Villagran. Greg Kassar, though, looks like going to walk away with this one. Yeah. That what we all expected? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yes, particularly more recently is like you've started to see even statewide, right? AOC's jumping out. Elizabeth Warren's like people are coming out in droves on for him. Was anybody surprised that Rebecca Villagran got into this race? Yeah, I, w I was a little surprised. I did not expect her to to jump in. And then when she did jump in, uh, I expected to see more work uh, and, and, and didn't really see it. I'm not really sure why, uh, but. Well, she is the only Bear person that's, you know, representing Bear County. In well, that, and that's, in that's a good race, point. That right? may, that may so, be the sole reason why she jumped and in. And I think, but, but if you look at her, her, her tenure, she did a great job in her district. Eight mm -hmm. years, I mean, it's tough, right? And she did a great job with economic development and, and, and really bringing that precinct, I mean, that district up. But also, Rebecca's been in that moderate space, right, uh, with Ivy and, and coming on. Uh -huh, and so uh -huh. this, yeah. this district, and with Austin in it, it's a very, yeah. very progressive district. And so that could yeah. hurt, you know, she hasn't been really out front pushing progressive policies. Yeah. And so that could have hurt Rebecca in this race. Yeah. I also point. just think it's yeah. like a toe dip. I don't know if that's yeah. a real, like, but like, yeah. let me yeah, see yeah, what yeah. it feels yeah. like to mm -hmm. not be in the city. Can I yeah. dip my toe in and yeah. see what it looks like? And this is sort of a space I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised that the Casar has 60 percent because because both Eddie Rodriguez and Rebecca Villagran were considered, you know, formidable opponents for him. Yeah. I mean, I know he he seemed to outspend them in a lot of different ways, and I know there were mailers and all kinds of things. And like Demonte's been saying all night, what, what you're saying, follow, follow the money. money. Follow the money. <laughs> like when you see the yeah. machine that Greg has ran. Yeah. I mean, I've received 50 text messages, 30 emails. I mean, they're just a well-oiled machine, and that backed by AOC, Elizabeth Warren, and that whole team. Yeah. This is what this is what happens when all the stars align. You, you have resources. You're able to access a sophisticated voter outreach That's programs. Right. You have a team, experienced team that knows what they're doing, combined with that that political power from the uh, from the top. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is what you get. I just yeah. wanted to switch spots with Myra. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. But we, can, we can't yeah, see you know. your glittery shoes, though. I don't have glittery shoes on. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. I, don't, I, no. do have my, I do have my vote socks on, though. See them right there? <laughs> yeah. I, I will okay. agree with Kevin, though. You know, I think this is a good start for Rebecca. You know, I, I thought she would perform much better being that she's from the Bear County area. Uh, but, again, the stretch is all the way to Austin. And Austin, you know, they say Austin is weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but also, the, just more, it's a more progressive uh, space. And so I think it would be tough for her to 
come out and beat a Greg with, with this, the turf that's been cut for them. We can uh, flip through some of these numbers just to take a look at what we see. But I'm, I'm curious from our panel um, if go. there is any one, if there are numbers you see as we're scrolling through, holler at me, jump out and, and let me know. But are there any issues in particular that you think are driving people? this go round oh, what's top of I mean are there any issues we know there are issues <laughs> but what what do you think is top of the list I mean Tommy mentioned uh, Commissioner Calvert mentioned a few of them but I, I think voting rights uh, yeah. is, is huge right I mean it's I mean just the absolute right to vote for everybody and we're just not talking about one party it's everybody's right to vote and you know and that's under attack right now you can see that with the mail-in ballots you know there's been tactics to, to Commissioner Calvert's point, that's trying to prevent people from getting to the polls and vote. And I know my colleague here may, yeah. may say something differently, but that's, I think that's what's pushing people. I know that's what pushes me along with some other issues. And there's some pocketbook issues people go vote about, uh, vote for, but I think mainly the vote, voting rights is, is huge right now. All right, and here we look at the Lieutenant Governor's race, Dan Patrick, 78%. He avoids a runoff. Uh, the other question was whether uh, Governor Greg Abbott would avoid a runoff. It looks as if he will. Uh, tonight he had uh, more than 60 percent, almost 70 percent of the vote now against uh, uh, a guy that spent a lot of money in Don Huffines, yeah. uh, but a lot of money for only 11 percent of the vote. Uh, we're talking about Republicans. I want to talk about the Republican uh, candidate, it appears, tonight for district attorney. Mark LaHood joins us on Zoom uh, right now from his watch party. There he is. Mark, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? I can. Mark, congratulations tonight on this race. Well, thank you. It's still a little early, but we're excited about what we're seeing. You know, it, it's we had a lot of excitement at the poll, a lot of excitement the last couple of months, just talking to people and just feeling the energy. We all want to change here in the district attorney's office. Sorry for all the people here. We're at the the party. I apologize. That's, no, no, that's not worth. That's not something you need to apologize <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, that's that's a party. So, for you going forward, I know you said you're still watching. It's still early, but what is next for you? Uh, you know, as you move forward in this campaign. Well, you know, the the main focus of our message has been to unify. I mean, you know, I've been saying it from day one. I'm I'm running because I love Bear County. I love my community. I love my family, and I think we all feel that that need and that desire to feel safe, to feel secure, to want, you know, answers when, when we are, when we are harmed and we're not getting that with this current administration. And so just spreading that message countywide, let everyone know that at the base, Republican or Democrat, what we want is to feel safe and secure. And if we're violated to know that our legal system is going to hold people accountable. So just keep, keep spreading that. Is this race at all personal for you? Uh, it's another it's another uh, LaHood Joe Martinez matchup. Is this race at all personal for you, Mark? No, not at all. You know, if uh, if if the current administration was doing their job, if their numbers weren't skyrocketing, if it was safe and secure, I wouldn't have run. I mean, I have no desire to put myself in the spotlight and, and, and be subjected to it. But again, like, I, like I've been saying is we can't afford to not do anything. In three years, we've seen what's happened. God forbid what happens in four more years if we don't stop it now. Joe Gonzalez, you two facing off. Curious uh, conversations with your brother about this race. Going into it in terms of how to prepare or how to, uh, how to move on from here. What's that communication been like? 
Well, he, but he's my older brother. And I love him, and I've always looked up to him, both as a, as a brother and, of course, as someone who's held the position before. He's got wisdom and experience at practically as a job um, and also as my brother and, in a lot of ways my mentor. So, um, you know, if I have questions, he's definitely one of the first on my short list that I, that I ask guidance of. I, mean, I seek guidance. At the end of the day, though, you know, the decisions I make are, are, are ultimately mine. All right, I, I can tell we're keeping you away from a boisterous <laughs> crowd there because I hear some yelling every once in a while. So that's that's pretty cool. I, I think I'm, they're I think they're watching the reap. They're watching it right now. So when we're talking, I think they're getting excited. Oh, is that what's happening? Okay, well that's good. Then we're going to keep <laughs> you on longer. But I I, I want to try and ask some questions. I want to let our power panel here ask you some questions. Uh, and I want to start with Kevin Wolf. Uh, Kevin, questions for Mark LaHood. So hey, Mark, uh, congratulations so far. Uh, now it's on onto the general. Um, how do you how do you plan to uh, because the county when you look at it as, as a whole today it's about a 60 40 split between d- d- Democrats and Republicans how do you plan to appeal to some of those those Democrats that might want to cross over and vote so I, I've already started you know the last couple of months I've talked to hundreds of people that they say have never voted Republican never voted conservative in their lives and my messaging is simple. I, I focus on the core values that makes Bear County what it is. I mean, you know, I've always bragged this is the greatest place in this country. We're the biggest little town. We're military, military city USA. You know, we, we value our faith. We value our heritage, our culture. At the end of the day, we love our families. We love law and order. Those are values that are cross political lines. That's just what everyone values. <laughs> You get, they not, they liked it there at his at his viewing party. You have a question for Mark LaHood, Demonte? Uh, sure. Um, yes, Mark. Uh, thanks for being here. I, I think uh, we had um, Joe, uh, District Attorney Joe Gonzalez on, and he, he laid out some things that he's been working on and continues to work on. My question is, what would he do differently? What would you do mm-hmm. differently than than Joe Gonzalez has, has been doing the past few years? So immediately my plan is twofold. One is ideology change, and then two is an execution change. So. The three ideologies I would change would immediately, you have to support law enforcement. I mean, it's insane that the elected DA is criticizing and supporting defunding police. Law enforcement and the DA's office are two sides of the same coin. They work up the cases that the DA's office then prosecutes on. The second is prosecuting all the laws. When a DA unilaterally decides not to prosecute something, they're overstepping their authority. They're acting as the legislature's. If we want a law changed, then we go to our legislature and we change it. And the last is we have to empower our prosecutors. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard them say, oh, I can't, I can't do X, Y, and Z because I'm afraid I'm going to get fired or I have to pass the change. But these are the, are the men and women that work these cases up. They know them the best. They try them, but then we tie their hands because we're afraid that we're going to look bad. So ideologically, that's the first thing I would change. The, the execution part is it's mismanaged, you know. We have prosecutors without being mentorship or training, and they're good prosecutors, but but not all laws are the same. You don't prosecute a family violence case or a sex case like you would a drug case or DWI, and they've been moved around without the guidance and instruction. So we're seeing that chaos with dismissals, with weak pleas. You know, I was set for trial a couple months ago, and there was 10 or 11 cases in every single one, all of them, the state filed not ready. That's just inexcusable. All right, Molly? Mine's like such a simple question because those were good questions. Is uh, the LaHood DNA feels strong? <laughs> <laughs> is the whole family looks the same? Is that 
You all look similar. That's it. That's my question. You're making me blush. How do you answer that? And then, you know, God bless my parents. Yeah, exactly. There I want to see what your parents look I like. I know. Hey, pull that up. Somebody pull up. Yeah, can, can you, you, have a, you have on your phone, you have a picture of your parents? Because I want to see what they look I'm like. I mean, they, yeah, were they were they like cinema stars? They're better looking. Okay. They're better looking. Right. They're they're nicer. They're smarter. You're like my wife. You're she's smart, better looking. She's smarter a, than I am. You are a smart son. You are a smart son. <laughs> Absolutely. Mark LaHood, I know you've got a party you got to get back to. Uh, if these numbers hold, congratulations tonight, and we look forward to talking to you many times between now and November. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great night. Thank y'all. All right. You as well. Okay, Thank we want to get down to, we've got, um, it really was a party. There was there a was, there cheer was, for there. every answer. Um, we want to go now to somebody else who is waiting in our Zoom room, If who was always a party, by the way. Yeah. John Taylor, he is the chair of the political science and geography, I believe. Yes, at we UTSA. Have, we, at UTSA, we Ooh. have had him on several times on our KSAT Q&A to break down what to watch up until this night, what to watch for. And now we want to know, John, there you are. Welcome. Thanks for being here. We've talked about the races to watch tonight for months. So your biggest eye opener. That's what I'm curious about. We can't hear you, John. Uh oh. Okay, we're not going. The pandemic phrase. You're on mute. <laughs> there you go. There yeah, you go. Almighty. I tell my students that all the time, and here I'm doing it. <laughs> I think the biggest one, obviously, right now is, is the Cisneros versus Cuellar, at least at least in terms of Congress. Um, it is interesting to note uh, the Republican Attorney General's race that Paxton is definitely facing a runoff. What's what's to me fascinating is the back and forth right now between Guzman and Bush. Uh, we could see the end of, of of the Bush family basically in elective office tonight, uh, potentially. Um, the panelists, by the way, I'm intimidated by the concept of the power panel. Um, so you're, you're scaring me already. Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all you can, John, for the record, you, you know can what? easily be a part of this. Ah, yes. For the record, you I just want to let you to know. Yeah. That was good to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, y'all, y'all were talking about the Democratic lieutenant governor's choice. I think you hit it on the nose. The issue is Dan Patrick. And the issue is voting rights. Absolutely no question. That was what was driving Democratic voters in that race. Um, 35, uh, CD35, I, I, the thought was conventional wisdom was that Greg Kassar was going to win it. He's winning it going away at this point. I can also say it's nice to finally go to the Bear County website and start to see Election Day numbers start to trickle in finally about 14 or so uh, voting centers are now in at this point. Um, yes, voting turnout at least early voting turnout was was abysmal let's let's be blunt it was and we can talk about why it was that's much more of a political discussion obviously um we'll see with the election day numbers there is one other race i gotta note just because it's just kind of deliciously fun and that is the fact that right now christian is likely at the moment facing a runoff against ms stogner um, and of yes. power of of, of, of pump jack fame railroad commissioner right <laughs> yes, that's what you're talking board. about yeah she yes. po- she posed topless on top of a uh, on top of something well, yes. let's just say it was yeah. the oil of conversation for an entire the class entire newsroom just turned around <laughs> yeah, the entire newsroom just paid attention john <laughs> just so you know 
<laughs> our, most po- our most popular, our it's, most popular it's guest most, right now. The most quiet it's been in here all night. Yeah. I, you I, all I wish did. the numbers. I watched it. You did. I, I will say, I wish the numbers were coming in fast. Y'all are so oh, busted. Yeah, they are. Did you see them all turn around? So Gee, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, let's talk about you know. Hey, well, it, yeah. Yeah, they're they're busy, hey, but is, they are also paying attention to yes, us. So that's good. Watching the numbers. This is this is why I always say political science is fun for a reason. Yeah, there you go. Is there is there any? You talked about the the low turnout. Why do you think we had such a low turnout? Well, let's be honest. Part of it's because the way that we did early balloting, the way that we did vote by mail, um, the whole changes to state law that took place as a result of the, uh, the legislature in 2021. Um, we've seen a massive number of, of early balloting uh, mail-in ballots that have been rejected. Um, it's, it's, it's basically, for want of a better term, um, we've seen voter suppression. And, you know, Commissioner Tommy Calvert talked about that a little bit, that he thinks right. the Department of Justice is going to get involved in this and that they they really have you know no choice at this point. And, and that's one of that's one of the statistics that sticks out to you is low turnout. But it's also that there were 30 percent of the early mail or the right. mail in votes that were disallowed. That's 30 percent of our electorate yes. that 30 percent compared to usually two. Two percent. I should note this. There is one angle we need to note here is that in Texas primaries, midterm primaries, turnout ain't very good usually. Um, Right now, it looks like statewide was around maybe, I mean, I know early voting was somewhere between about five to seven percent for Republican, about four percent for Democrat. Um, I'm curious what the the election day numbers are. I'm I'm guessing gut feeling combined statewide total. We're looking at maybe 15 percent maybe turnout so you're talking maybe what 11 12 percent republican maybe nine ten percent democrat at best um i mean that that's a whole in my opinion that's a whole different discussion we have about civic engagement encouraging mm-hmm. voter participation making elections easier making voting easier um, but that's obviously not for tonight that's for a whole different conversation starting in january 2023 you know, it seems like there's. we always have this conversation, and I'm cu- curious your take on it. Do you see this as being the year the Democrats break through and win a statewide election? If there is a breakthrough, I think if the two breakthroughs, the, okay, there's a debate, I would argue, at least among political scientists. My argument is it's probably the attorney general's race more than the governor's race. Although Beto O'Rourke, he's got a puncher's chance. You know, the, the, the polling numbers suggest he's somewhere anywhere between roughly nine, maybe seven points behind. Margin of error, say, plus or minus three and a half or so. That's a decent chance, and especially between now and November. That's a decent chance. It's on the it's on the attorney general's race. I think that the Democrats really, if they're going to place their bets on a potential breakthrough, it's that race. Because you've got an attorney general, an incumbent, who is... <laughs> somehow managed to avoid, I gotta have his lawyers in the future, managed to avoid um, his day in court for years, um, facing potential, he may potentially win the Republican runoff nomination um, in May, and then possibly be indicted, in which case, ironically, Louis Gohmert might've had it, might've said it best about the fact that the Republicans then would be left without, without a potential nominee. Um, and so this is why the, the Democratic race, I think, is so important right now, because right now it is a close race on who's going to make it to the runoff tonight. Right. Absolutely. All right, I, I, 
we Kevin have, Wolf has yes, been listening part in. Part of our uh, power does, panel has have been a, listening. Uh-oh. He does have a question for you. <laughs> oh, you're, you're in trouble now. You're in trouble <laughs> oh, now. Oh, no. Actually, actually what, I, what I'd like your opinion on is when you look at, yes, voter turnout is low, much lower than, than I think anybody would want. However, yeah. I'm also, in my opinion, uh, seeing extreme voter turnout. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. the ones that are voting right. are the ones that run to the extremes the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think, I think you made the observation. The side, it, right. it can, is, that, is that true on the Democratic side? I don't know. Well, I'd you. say first you're right on the Republican side. You, you mentioned uh, House District 122 as an example yeah. tonight. Um, I think you might be seeing it as well on the, on the, on the Democratic side. CD35 is an example where Greg Kassar is running away with it at this moment. Um, I mean, that, that might be one example right there. Um, but I, there's always been the argument made that in primaries, it's usually the, the, the more committed, more, you know, literally, you know, true followers of, of either party who turn out for these things, which means you tend to push the Republicans to the right, the Democrats to the left a bit. So then you have to move back to the middle as you get to the general election. I actually personally see this as a fallacy in our system that's getting worse and worse because <laughs> Scary you, but true. You, you, end up, you end up driving out what I'll call rational candidates. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, they, they just don't want to go through that, well, that level of fight. You can also make the argument, since we're making the argument here, and I forgot I'm holding a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I do for a living, right? And so so I, you can also make the argument that redistricting backs that up yes, as well, because yes. if you redistrict, oh, no that's, that's, that's safe Republican. Again, you don't have to, you don't have that to is be a, anything that it, but to the extremes. So it's, it's, again, I believe personally a flaw in our system that is only yeah. exacerbated by the type of gerrymandering that takes place. Uh, which, and, which is ironic because the Supreme Court almost 40 years ago said you can't do gerrymandering for political purposes, yet here we are. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well. Molly, you said you had a question for John. I, I do. I have just a quick question. A, I am a graduate of the UTSA Poli Sci Political Science from UTSA. Excellent. Um, birds up. I'm just, I, That's I, right. I, when you're in a graduate program, it's more like I my question is, is we're talking about voter turnout because you're a smart person. Um, I don't know about that. The, but. We keep saying low voter turnout. It's a we've made that the system. We want you to not come out, right? We're making no. it as hard as we possibly can. Voter turnout is not actually that low this time, technically. Right. And separately, we haven't even talked about we have a literal thing on the ballot in May before we even get to November, and that exactly. voter turnout in twenty eighteen was like five percent of business. Yeah. So I think the conversation now is how do we start to see that swing locally i would love 15 percent turnout in a in a in a bond oh, agreed in a rough right? in a runoff uh, election absolutely yeah. <laughs> i mean to me uh, again i've always made the argument why make it difficult to vote i mean why put up barriers to vote what you know same day registration for example or or we're um, just a bunch of junkies aren't we <laughs> I mean, it's just a case of, hey, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, this is what we do for a living, right? I mean, but there, there are mechanisms we can employ. I mean, one thing that we don't talk about that depresses voter turnout is the fact that Texas is the most difficult state in the country when it comes to ballot access yes. for third parties. Yes. Therefore, you're reducing right. the number of choices you have to begin with. Yes. Yes. Very good point. I'm just snapping for yes. <laughs> yes to making it so hard to just get a ballot. 
Exactly. See, I don't know why you're intimidated by this power panel, John, because they seem <laughs> I to love be you warm- guys. They seem to be warming up to you. Uh, they seem to be warming up to you very well. Yeah. Demonte, do you have a question? Uh, no, I don't have a question. I just maybe I didn't really get to hear what he was answering, but I think it's more than just one factor of yes. why yeah. people are oh, not yeah. coming out. You have you know, the redrawn maps, right? You have um, yeah. just coming out of COVID. People are still weary about how to vote and yeah. if they're safe or not. Um, you know, the thousands of mail in ballots that were rejected. And also, yeah. you know, we don't have an exciting candidate at the top of the ballot. No shade to any candidate, but yeah. usually you have one person at the top that's really pushing that ticket for everyone right. else. We don't have that, right? I mean, that's a... But, I mean, um, on either side. Then, I mean, Greg know, Abbott's been um, there forever. It's you different got, for you know. campaigns, and it's midterm. Yeah, so right. all these things combined, and, yeah. and, I, and I got this information from a good friend of mine, one of the smartest minds, Jennifer Longoria. Uh, we, we, I talked to her about it, and this is some of the things that she talked about. It's not just one thing. Right. It's a conglomerate of things that just makes a, a big mess, and it's just yeah. harder for uh, yeah. people to get out and vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. John Taylor, thank you so much yes, for your time. You for I know you're here. like doing double duty because I think you're probably like listening to the State of the Union out of oh, one God, ear yes. and listening like, to us out of another ear. So and, I really and somewhere in a third ear, I'm t- checking in on on the Russians' invasion of Ukraine too. Yeah. So there we Gosh. go. Yeah, not a lot going on tonight. No yeah. big nah, not yeah. tonight. Yeah, John Taylor, political science professor at UTSA. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. I, I, I want to run through the numbers sure. before we wrap up sure, uh, sure. and give our panelists final thoughts. Uh, tonight, but let's go through some of the numbers that we have right now. This is the obviously the race we've been watching. That we're up to five percent. Mm-hmm. Seems like we should Woo-hoo. should be more. It seems yeah. like we should be more. <laughs> Peter Sakai, forty-three percent. Ina Manjales at thirty percent. Uh, that's kind of how it's been all night. Trish DeBerry, sixty-six percent. Nathan Buchanan at thirty-four percent. She will move on and face the winner between it looks like Sakai and Minhalas. This is also a race. We're up to 38% of the vote now. 51% Jessica Cisneros, 45% Henry Cuellar. But the the number you want to look at is Tanya Judith Benavides is playing a factor in this. Mm -hmm. Whether it goes to a runoff or not could determine how many votes she gets in this whole thing. And that, that 5% looming kind of large right now when you see one of these candidates at 51 percent. This is going to be one of those all-nighters. And you mm-hmm. see her, she, you know, from, from the way it looks, she may be an older candidate as well for those can- those folks that are just really not believing in young folks, you know. So you're, you're, you're spot on with that. You know, that's definitely hurting way on it. And it could be why there weren't a lot of people at the Cisneros watch party because they know it's going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's Take a look a at the night. Republican side of that race. And this is the Republican, yeah, uh, Cassie Garcia, 31 percent. This is the candidate that was was endorsed by Ted Cruz. Uh, We'll likely be watching what's happening on the Democratic side uh, very closely. All right, everyone, look quickly. Governor's results. I'm flipping through. Look quickly. They take this toy away from me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, no surprises there. Lieutenant Governor's race on the Democratic side. Yeah, Mike, Mike Collier, Collier. Who, who came pretty close to beating Dan Patrick four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks like he'll be going to a runoff tonight because you see the, the vote basically split between the other mm-hmm. two, Michelle Beckley and Carla Braley. And you, it, I, do, do you think that, that Collier comes out of this eventually? So again, I think it's the same conversation that we're having at the Bear County judge level, right? Peter Sakai against uh, two Latinas. The two of them together have more votes than Peter Sakai does. Same here, right? Mike Collier's against two women running for a statewide office. Both of them are together combined have more numbers than he does. So I think that the conversation really is 
hey, our, it looks like our electorate is saying we want somebody to look, we want a woman, we want women yeah. of color, we want people of color, we want younger people on our ballots. Yeah. Uh, that's who we want. Republican side of the race, once again, no surprise here, Dan Patrick uh, running away with this one. Let's take a look at the attorney general's race on the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. This, is in, this is an interesting, this is an interesting uh-huh. uh, race here between uh, Mercedes Garza and Joe Jaworski. Uh, Lee Merritt also right in there. I mean, mm-hmm. is, is there somebody that the Democratic Party has been behind in this? I, I just haven't watched this I'm race. Like, no. enough, yeah. I would say that this is another one that's like, oh, again, a woman, a woman of color jumping at the top of the sort of space. I know we've had a lot of conversations around Lee Merritt. I know Joe Jaworski has been the guy that's like, oh, he's got all the sort of money and ads and stuff behind him. So I think this is another one where it's going to be a really interesting runoff mm-hmm. um, and where it what it comes to. And again, if we start looking at split tickets, right, we've got a 41% to 22 and 19. Those numbers there in the center are not large enough to overcome that 41 right now, right? I realize, again, we're looking at 19%. Because you got the 13 yeah, on the right. opposite side, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. On the Republican side, question going into tonight, does Ken Paxton have a sizable challenger? What do you all think about this race? Mm. Well, uh, Ken Ken Paxton's in trouble at 42%, mm -hmm. period. Yes. Okay. It's a toss-up with the two Mm -hmm. in the middle. I I think he (laughs) wants, but I mean, I think he has made very little doubt about the fact he wants to face Bush instead of Guzman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both both Bush and Guzman turned their attacks. They will. Both Bush and Paxton turned their attacks on Guzman. Yeah. So, 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 look. Ten years ago, if you were a female on the ballot, it was worth five to seven points. Today, it can be worth 10 to 12 points. Depending upon where you are, add a female of color, it can be even more points. That's why I say Ken Paxton wants to be in a runoff with George Bush. He does not want to be in a runoff with Eva Guzman. I agree with that. I would say that the... Democrat, on the Democratic side, that would also be right. Like, yeah. they want yeah. Bush. Like, get rid of. Please l- eliminate the Latina from yeah. <laughs> from from the ballot yes. for Democrats, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. One twenty-two Republicans. Oh, Lisa this, Chan's numbers have come down. Well, I guess no, probably about. These were about the same. Still early voting. Yeah. yeah. Look at one twenty-one. This is something we need to really. Really pay attention and, uh, to. And this is an important race, but Rebecca this uh, and and this was, you know, like I said, Allison. this is not who's represented that district for. Yeah, it's not Lyle Larson. For, it's right. not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other race we have here, thirty-five. Yeah. Ah, we discussed this one earlier. Okay. This was uh, what everyone expected yeah. for the evening. Yeah. All right. So obviously we're. I, I think I say this almost every election at about this time, <laughs> that it, it seems ridiculous to me that we have 5% of the vote counted in Bear yeah. County right now yeah. when we talked about how low the turnout is, mm-hmm. but that's where we are. So yeah. obviously it's going to be a late night uh, for those of us who are watching the returns. And uh, we're going to wrap up our live stream here, but before we do, I want to go to each of the panelists with kind of their thoughts on the night on a particular race or turnout or or what they've heard tonight. Molly, you get to go first. Yeah, I think I'm going to continue watching the Democratic um, primary for county judge. That'll be one to pay attention to, to see if today's vote 
knocks it, and I don't I, I, to see where we are. Um, it, it, it looks like it's going to a runner, um, and we'll see because that was a pretty decent turnout for today. Um, I I am going to consistently say that what we're seeing in I, I agree fully with Kevin on I think primaries we're seeing a lot more extremism right on both sides, um, and I also think what we're seeing particularly in a primary is. Oh man, like people are hungry for women and women of color to please, please run for office. So I'm like, yes, please do. Yeah. We will help. Well, I will help. <laughs> Tomate. Yeah, Tomate. So, uh, I mean, the surprise for me was um, Jessica. Um, you know, I didn't give him enough credit going into this race in terms of who he was up against uh, until I followed the money. <laughs> I, when I followed the money, it, it said, okay, I was, and I text Diego, you know, we were talking, texting back, I said, I don't know, man, I'm seeing this war chest, he may have a shot, and that's what came out today. But what I want to finish off with is, God bless Jackie Callan and her team. Oh, man. Right? I mean, so, we, yes. um, you know, with all the changes, they had to pivot on, on the fly, and just her, her and her staff has just been incredible, and just thank you to Jackie Callan and the Bear County Election Department for getting us through another election contentious election. And that woman is like, like just unflappable. That would end with that. And for those of us who've been here for a long time, yeah. we know that that has not always been the case with right. our yeah. right. elections right. administrators. Right. So, right. Oh. By the way, I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says follow the money. Follow the money. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, well, you got, you got Mr. Moneybag from the rap song, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Future Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Put, 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 put money in bag. Money in bag. Oh, wow. They woke up over here again. Wow. Hey, we may be able to go on the road. You're following the money, money, I put money in bag. bag. All right, it's a deal. Hey, Colton, make it happen. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kevin has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) You you lost me on the money in the bag, though, right? like rapper. Money in bag. Yeah. Talk about your thoughts. So uh, I'm going to actually throw this one to DeMonte a little bit. He says follow the money. Follow the specific money. When you look at who and how much mm-hmm. are giving to individual races, you will see some very, very interesting things in there, whether it's in Peter's race, whether it's in Trish's race, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, look, look for those outliers, and you've, you've got them in those races. So right. it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, the, the last part is, is really, for me, uh, what, we, what we talked about uh, with, with the last guest, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I'm afraid for, for our system mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, you know, whether whether it's the gerrymandering piece, whether it's the vote suppression piece, whether it's the the extremes controlling the message, uh, and and what happens is okay, you, you can play to all that and you can get yourself through the primary, but who are you going to have run that is going to stick to their principles? Mm. You know, uh, you they're not going to run. Okay. Because they can't make it through that primary process and, and be the people that, they're, that they really are. Right. You, and you see that just by the advertisements. Uh, so, Always love having you guys here every single election. Did we, did we call it, did you get to say your Wayne's World? 
Oh, well, we, we talked about that on the air. I know, but this is kind of my stream. this is kind of my Wayne's world. We started many times. We started many I, years ago. I you know, in the conference room. In the conference room. You know, down the hall in a, a conference room that isn't even standing anymore because we nope, tore it down when we built exist. the new building. Right. That's where we started this That's right. election oh, wow. night live stream. That's right. I just want us always to go to Zoom with us going. I just want to know why we didn't have the railroad commissioner race up because I voted for her. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. And obviously it was and one, yeah, one yeah. to talk about here. But in Myra, the it's always a pleasure uh, to be here with you guys. Yes. I mean, you guys are such professional and pros at this yeah. and you make it easy. And uh, Except yeah. when I accidentally call you. She's like, I told Steve that story. Me like three times. I'm like, if I'm I say, mom. If I say mom. call mom, my phone calls DeMonte. <laughs> mom, DeMonte. It's yeah. Yeah. Many I, times. So glad, my apologies. No problem. I'm just glad we got Molly out of the house. <laughs> Y'all, Molly. I'll call it KSAT COVID if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I said it right here online. Well, he's still wearing his mask. Yeah. So. Molly Cox, That's DeMonte right. Alexander, Kevin Wolf, thank you guys so much. You. you truly yes. are a power panel. want to thank, thank our thank viewers you. that joined us as well. That's going to wrap it up for this breakdown edition of Vote 2022. We'll see you on the night beat. See you there.